0: Hey guys, Aaron here from Helena's Cell Phone. I want to thank you guys so much for being patient with us as we're recording new episodes, which will be starting to be released again next week. But in the meantime, we wanted to go back 23 years ago today to the bad blood in your house where the world met Cain for the first time. And during our discussion, we got wrecked during our Bloody Mary competition on one of the hottest fucking days of the year. Uh, So come on back next week for Fully Loaded 1999. And in the meantime, enjoy Bad Blood in Your House. October 5th, 1997. The top movie was Kiss the Girls the first of Hollywood's adaptations of James Patterson novels I kind of remember. Everclear released their second album, So Much for the Afterglow, and are shocked that to this day, nobody has realized that three singles are all the exact same song. The promise Keepers Stand the Gap brought over 600,000 men to the nation's capital, setting the record for the largest gathering of future Trump voters and fathers of incels. Meanwhile in St. Louis, Missouri, The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels battled inside Hell in a Cell. Un poquito loco. This is Hell Cellphone. a Cell Phone. Welcome to another episode of Hell Cellphone, a Cell Phone, the podcast where we attempt to make sense of the attitude era of WWE 20 years later. And tonight, from St. Louis, Missouri, we are bringing you bad blood in your house. But first, we've got a little bit of bad blood that we need to address in a segment we're calling Hell in a Celery. For years, Eric and I lived together, and while we were living together, we talked about our Bloody Mary recipes, but never, for some reason... Why did we never make Bloody Marys? Um, I don't know. I think we kept different hours in the morning. (laughs) This is true. Um... So, yeah, so we've gone all this time without ever having a Bloody Mary off. Luckily, Bobby Hankinson is a consumer of Bloody Marys. Has,
1: <laughs> has <or>
0: already <laughs> has already consumed two Bloody Marys and is ready, I think, maybe ready
2: to weigh in his verdict. Now, Eric, do you want to talk? Where did your Bloody Mary recipe come from? Sure. Um, so my Bloody Mary recipe has been something i've been tinkering with for a while it's always in flux there's always new ingredients as i find things that add to the savoriness and the and like pickled stuff and the smokiness those are the all the the profiles i like to work with um so it started with just like the normal buddy mary recipe of you know like horseradish celery salt or sometimes just salt i don't always do celery um worcestershire tabasco all that stuff i've added things that i felt were, you know, kind of uh, on the same path. So, first thing i learned was adding peerluers steak sauce, which is
0: ooh, i can't taste that. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. It that's that's like my that that's been my not so secret secret ingredient for a while. But in, in later years i've uh since added tahini, which is um that that the rim that you get on a michelada. Mm-hmm. Uh i've also A friend got me celery bitters, so I I put some of that in, Um, and then yeah. Oh, and then I I, I like switched out Tabasco for like a Chipotle Tabasco, and then for my uh, this actually this garnish is not always what I do. Sometimes I do like a stuffed pickle, a a stuffed um, olive, but this garnish is a bacon and pickled quail egg garnish sort of like a play on breakfast eric's ready to go into the entire life history of the, the pig that was slaughtered for this i'm just saying that it's and and with a gherkin because i feel feel like you always need a pickle um so that's what i did let's hear about yours
0: um uh, my bloody re- my, my, my blah, blah blah i haven't even finished one yet folks my recipe comes from my stepfather um who eschewed vodka for gin there uh tomato juice for clamato My parents, like, probably in around 1998, started throwing a big St. Patrick's Day party, which, like, the entire neighborhood, friends from out of the neighborhood, like, from close by would come to. The next morning, it was my responsibility to show up at the neighbor's houses
2: with these Bloody Marys delivered. Oh, that's cool. So, wait, you were, like, so he would make them and you'd bring all of the stuff? That's great. Yeah. Um, so, so are we going to, I think, well, I think
0: Bobby needs to weigh in before we compliment each other. Wow. This was tough guys. Um,
1: Aaron, I really liked the lightness of your Bloody Mary. It was very, it's very refreshing. It's a little thin for my taste. There's a lot of body to it. And there's like a, but there's a really good, strong umami taste that I think is the Clamato and celery salt, I want to say. Uh, is like the big, so it has like a nice umami flavor, but I think it's a little one-dimensional, and could probably have had like a little bit more like depth and complexity to it. If it was a wrestler, I'd say it's Ken Shamrock. It'll, <laughs> hit, it'll hit you strong, but a little one-dimensional.
2: I'll take it. Screams, um, screams, <laughs> and, and takes out all the refs.
1: I'd like to see something. I think because there was no garnish, just a simple, elegant lime wedge. But I do think a sort of like a vinegary, pickly flavor would uh, do this some justice. Maybe even a little bit more heavy on Tabasco, like a vinegary Tabasco, would have been would be nice. Uh, Eric, points for presentation. Thank you. This was this was it. It arrived. It made a statement when it arrived. Uh, I definitely picked up on the Peter Luger sauce, which is a little sweet, but mm. the t- I think the tahini really saves it from being too sweet. So I was like, oh, I actually don't like how sweet this is. But with if you get the just the right amount of tahini in the sip. Mm. It has, like some citrusy and saltiness and spice to it. It was good, um, and it's got a lot of body. And I love horseradish in a in the body of a Bloody Mary. Like I want to be able to see chunks of horseradish. So glad that was there. Um, and I like the uh, I like the garnish. I thought it was a uh, it was fun to have the little quail egg, little cornichon. You you wound the bacon through very very elegantly. Um, What's interesting is if I was like in a vacuum wait, and I'm like, wait, Ooh.
2: what wrestler is it?
1: Oh, if it was a wrestler, it be The Undertaker. Whoa. Because <laughs> he's, it's strong, it's a heavy hitter, but he's also doing a lot. He's got a teardrop tattoo. He's got a bat cape. He's coming from the ceiling. It's like, do you really know all of it? It's a, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. And it could very. It could in the wrong, I feel like in the wrong hands, this could very easily go awry. There's a lot of moving pieces. And if any one of them was out of concert, it would really ruin the whole thing. So you're playing with fire. But I do think, so I would say it's like the Undertaker. When it works, it's really good. Uh, So if I had to evaluate which, am I doing this now? Go for it. Great. Which is the better Bloody Mary in a vacuum? I would go with Eric. However, when I'm ready to order my third Bloody Mary,
2: I think I'd like another one of Aaron's. Yes. So do we want to get into our evaluation? So uh, we've made, what we did was we made two each. Uh, one for our judge, and then because so Bobby has done double duty and taken down both of them very quickly, thank you um Aaron and I made one for each other, so I haven't had my own yet and and um and Aaron's had mine uh or hasn't had his own, so let's talk about each other's
0: okay um I think Bobby hit the nail on the head with everything that he said i I think that yours is a marriage of many complex tastes that work beautifully together. My one thing, mm. I'd like some ice in there. I think that it, it's a little warm yeah. at this point, And I think, especially the Hell in a Cell Phone Studios, it is right in the middle of the July heat wave. So I would like a little bit more refreshing if I'm going in after uh, a long night the night before.
2: Yeah, I could have added ice. That was, that, I think it was something where I was like, Trying to save um, glass space, so I was, and I had a lot of stuff as you said. So it was getting to the top, and I was getting worried that. I, but I should have just put ice in it. You made a good call with yours. I agree. I think Bobby did a very good evaluation of it. Uh, I really like yours, and I like, I like uh, the clamato. Although I would say that's a Caesar. Um, <laughs>
1: clamato, clamato.
2: Right. Uh, I like this. I like the clamato. I like. Uh, when i saw that you had gin i was i got got a little worried i was like wait you make yours with gin but i think those flavors complement each other extremely well um i think it's light but but kind of for what it's trying to do it's meant to be light and like you know i made mine the way that you would get at a brunch where it's like a like a meal yeah like you get a meal like you get a heavy you know bloody mary and it and it, it will take you down but this is a nice Good, like this is a drink I would get multiple of because I like I don't think I'd get I don't think I typically get more than one Bloody Mary. Yeah,
0: I I don't think I could drink more than one of yours, yeah, Eric, I but Probably I not, would have yeah.
2: enjoyed every sip of it.
0: Yeah, I think what I would want my next Bloody
1: Mary to be <laughs> <laughs> is I want Aaron's Bloody Mary with the tahini rim and the cornichon garnish. Yeah, and I think those things together would. Elevate. So it's a little bit of Eric's, a little bit of Aaron's. Wow! It turns harmony.
0: out when we work together, we just make things better. <laughs> this was the most cordial face-off yeah. ever. Well, except uh, it wouldn't have been nice if uh, Shawn Michaels and the Undertaker could have just like shake shook hands and taken care of their differences well, that, that was way. Well, quite a hell in a cell.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if only Earl Hebner was like, what if we took Undertaker, your boots, and Shawn Michaels, your hair, and like created the perfect wrestler? Who is that? Who's the perfect wrestler?
0: Yeah, no, who is the, who is the combination of Undertaker, boots, and Shawn Michaels' hair? Um, Drew McIntyre.
1: That's not a bad one. Yeah. Um...
0: I is, all... it, is it Bob Holly at this point?
1: Uh, <laughs> but I could even see like a, an argument being made that Aleister Black is a little bit of both. Maybe mm. not literally Shawn Michaels' hair, but a little Shawn Michaels' little undertaker. Put them together. Aleister Black.
0: No man can be truly good. No man can be truly evil. Is that what he's saying there? Something like that. Sure. I don't know. It's a song. We got a lot to get to for both this show. A lot show. and a little. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot... First off, before I think we get too many Bloody Marys deep, we do need to acknowledge the fact that on the day of this pay-per-view, Brian Pillman passed away.
2: Yes. Yeah, that's
1: crazy. It comes up several times throughout the show. It's also very weird in how it's handled on the show yeah. throughout the show. Yes. Yeah,
0: Vince McMahon has no business announcing this during this show.
2: And like also like announcing it and then giving like like, updates throughout the show. And also, like,
1: the deflecting culpability of, like, happens in every sport, every every right. entertainment, All not just wrestling. Go this everyone's got CTE. What? Oh, sorry, what? Like, yeah.
0: Obviously, we've told you, Eric, that Brian Pillman was not long for this world. Did you expect it this soon? No. No.
2: Uh, even when you told me uh, off-air that... You know, our our upcoming pay per view, there was gonna be our first. Because I think we were talking with somebody, and they were like, "Oh, have you gotten to your to like a de- any dead wrestlers yet?" And I was like, "No, not yet." And, and uh, Aaron kind of was like, "Yeah, it's coming up soon in the next pay per view." And I and I even then I didn't go Pillman. Mm-hmm. I just I thought it might have been Ahmed Johnson Media. <laughs> um, still with us. Ahmed Johnson. I, I was very shocked. I was extremely shocked about it, especially. Um, I mean not you know not to it's a bummer that a human dies especially when he has a kid and and he obviously had a problem um it was from the from a Mark's perspective it was a real bummer that he like wasn't able to finish what would have been a really good program with like gold dust yeah like it, it that was there was a lot going on there I mean I guess we're going to talk about that stuff but it was like, you know, I was kind of waiting like, well, man, what's what's going to happen after Marlena returns back to Gold Dust and like what is that what would that story that blow up look like?
1: Yeah. Um so basically the uh, a lot of this pay-per-view uh and we'll talk individually about matches I I feel is dog shit. I I think this is we talked a lot about like Pay Per View's have had like two or three good matches, two and a half. This was a one match pay-per-view in my opinion. Uh one incredibly good match, but the rest was Dog shit. Um, and part of it was, well, the, they found Brian Pillman. He didn't show up to the arenas. So they were like, "That's weird," and that's when they called the hotel and realized that he missed his bus. And then team was found dead in his room. So he was like on his way. He was to be there. So they had very little scramble. So two of the matches that are on the card tonight were la- very last minute additions, which means they didn't have time to sort of plan out spots and do things. So the matches themselves were sloppy. Also, these are coworkers, you know, who have lost a coworker and a peer they've known forever um, Stone Cold Steve Austin has half of Brian Pillman's ashes and so like these people are close and have been in this business for, with each other for a very long time and so they're obviously deeply affected by the loss and they have to go out there and perform so I think we're seeing folks like Owen Hart not give his best uh, and I, so I think like, that also is resulting in that so that's how it's sort of playing out with the death and being discovered and they're getting more details as vince is feeding it to us live but it was um he had cocaine in his the system they realized he had undiagnosed heart disease he died of a heart attack but he was also taking human growth hormone and like all kinds of crazy shit
0: painkillers mm. that he was getting illegally prescribed i mean so he was a mess we still need to talk about this angle though because and and i mean we need we definitely need to address some things for the raws leading up because it was a crazy month on raw Featuring a tournament for the vacant Intercontinental title, and one of the most exciting matches that I've seen since we started this rewatch. So, should we start with the Brian Pillman angle? Yeah, let's start with Brian Pillman. Okay. So, as we saw last month, Goldust lost to Brian Pillman, and so Marlena was forced to be Brian Pillman's slave? Is that inaccurate? Mm -hmm. Because I thought they had said personal assistant at the
2: end of the last episode. I thought it was like managerial services. Yeah. and Well, we know that the managers don't really do much. I mean, Sonny didn't understand what was going on with it. <laughs> so maybe sex is part of it? I don't
1: know. That's certainly what they want to imply here. I mean, yes,
2: it's, well, it's unfortunate while they're sweeping it
1: like a conclusion to the storyline. We will see this storyline so many times yeah. <laughs> in the coming years. Don't worry, you will get many unhappy, unhappy endings from it. Uh, but that was basically the implication. Brian Pillman released these Triple X-File videos? Yeah, so we start
0: with um, one of the first matches in the Intercontinental Tournament, Dude Love versus Brian Pillman. And um, so at some point, Dude has become friends with Goldust, who is in his corner, and Pillman is not going to show up because he wants assurances that Goldust will not attack, and instead sends the first video from Brian Pillman's Triple X-Files, featuring him on the phone, exhausted
2: from the sex. Well... What I like about the first two of the of the X Files is that there's a lot of like, hey, we're we're in our hotel room. We just had a lot of sex, and like it reminded me of, um, you guys remember Happy Days? The the beginning of there was like in the opening credits of Happy Days when they showed like Ralph Mouth. It was like one of one of uh, Richie's friends. He would do this thing where he would. It's a thing you you did when you were a kid where you hug yourself from behind. You hug yourself. And then, like, and it you, looks like, you yeah, show everybody it, your back, and like the hands are going up and down, like you're making out with someone. That's what it felt like Brian Pillman was doing in these <laughs> videos. He's like, Oh, Marlena, you're so, you're so into me. Ooh. And I,
0: I definitely want to get back to that as we, we go on with this, because I have some real bonkers revelations about this angle as this angle goes on. Right. Um, also, so does Brian Pillman have to like pay for Marlena's food? Like her board what are they? Is it room and
2: board Well Yeah uh, is she, She's a probably like an intern Or a summer intern I assume she brings A bag lunch
3: <laughs> to, to the One of those
2: little cooler
1: bags With like an ice pack in she, it
2: She labels all her stuff Before she puts it In the mini fridge Like Brian I told you That's my yogurt uh,
0: We finally see Marlena Next week um, All gothed up And I Need to be 100% honest it was doing it for me. Could get it. It was like a mix between Jamie Lee Curtis and True Lies oh. in that one scene. Yeah. Um, Christy Swanson in The Chase.
2: Okay. With a little bit of Matrix thrown in there. I and, was going to say Nev Campbell ish.
0: Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, definitely yeah, yeah, yeah. in craft
2: vibes. Yeah. 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 Uh,
0: but there was something about the way her hair was. I don't know how you would slick back the hair like that,
2: but. Yes. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah,
0: I know I'm getting I
1: I'm I'm feeling my full Feruzabalk fantasy. It, yes, it's Ferruzabalk
0: it's Balk, it, that week, but the first week the, it was a little bit different. I also like her personal assistant,
1: therefore you have to get your nose pierced. Yeah. <laughs> like right. And your Listen, belly button pierced. Can we
2: say that Brian Pillman kind of, you know, undiscovered as a stylist? <laughs> I <Styling>. liked
3: <laughs> Brian. <laughs> yeah, like Well girl. he found
2: that amazing Weapon X t-shirt. I know. I know. Could you imagine it, it's almost like he she's all that Marlena. Cause like we you, you know, Marlena's evening we gown We all know we all know Aaron and Eric thought Marlena was a complete uggo before this. Yeah, she had paint on her evening gown. <laughs> um he took off those glasses, he got rid of those ponytails, uh he got rid of the jersey hair, and you know, now she's like you know, she's got the bustier thing going. It's Everything, all cylinders fire, firing from Marlena now.
1: It is just so interesting what straight guys and gay guys think women should look like. <laughs> I know, I know. You're like,
2: but I want her to look magical. Yeah, I'm but... never
0: going to say a woman should look anyway.
2: They're very good, Aaron. But yes. how I want them to look. <laughs> how they should look how if I they want I me to be happy. prefer it,
1: yes. yeah. Yes. Um no, but I think of like glamour and 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 you're like
0: gross. Yep. No, put her in a dog collar. Yeah. <laughs> wow, guys.
1: Okay.
2: Sorry, some things just push buttons
0: in a certain way. We grew up in the 90s. We were all nobody got out of the 90s unscathed. That's True. all I'm going to say. Uh that second week, we finally see the match between Dude Love and Brian Pillman showing us that you can just not show up to matches in a week and it's not a DQ for some reason, but okay. Uh, Goldust attacks dude before he can hit the sweet shin music and Pillman wins by DQ, setting up a match with Owen in the following week. Pillman finally shows up to that match with a broken arm from fucking and forfeits to get Owen to the finals. At this point, Slaughter will not let this stand and tells Pillman that he will never wrestle in the WWF again if he does not wrestle Owen. Pillman and Owen object without the realization that Pillman can just throw the match as soon as it starts, until the match starts, and they realize just that. This leads to Marlena. But no, wasn't that?
2: Didn't it get uh, kind of physical with them? Yeah,
0: because Marlena hits um, Owen in the back of the head with the purse during the match, and then he gets aggressive towards Pillman after that. Why did Marlena hit Owen in the head? Uh, I think to kind of like make like the, way, the Well, the way I saw it was as a way to. Um, get him angry at pillman she knew that in this situation she couldn't attack pillman directly so she was attacking owen knowing that she stood in as a proxy for pillman and then uh owen would attack pillman as a result
2: oh that makes sense actually thank you
0: more on that later the following week in a video with marlena in bed pillman announces he will not fight dude love at bad blood unless gold is handcuffed to the ring And in an insane twist, Vince actually announces, I hope that is the last that we hear from Brian Pillman. So that's the last thing that we see of Brian Pillman on Raw, that last moment. And his last match is this bullshit thing with Owen Hart. Now here's where things got really weird inside for me. Later in the evening, the WWF hotline pops up with the following question. Does Goldust blame Marlena Or does Goldust believe Marlena was forced to do what she's doing, which all of a sudden I realized we as the audience are supposed to believe that Pillman is having sex with Marlena? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. See, the the story to me was what you were talking about before, that this is all Pillman, like, boasting, oh, I'm having all the sex with Marlena. Believe me, that sex with Marlena is going really great. But then it'll turn out that Marlena, and since Pillman, I guess, is not a rapist, isn't forcing himself on her, is how I saw this wrapping up.
1: Um, I think what the angle was designed to do, and I think now we get to, it's not going to happen, the, the, the angle was going to be revealed at the end. Marlena was going to choose to be with Pillman at the end. She was going to betray Goldust mm-hmm. in the end and choose to be with Brian Pillman. That that was the story they were telling, Um, so they did want us to think that they were having
2: sex the whole time. I think of it. I given that information, the way I would think of it is, it's kind of like the um, the James Bond and Pussy Galore like thing, Mm -hmm. where like Pussy Galore is essentially like in that movie, like she's essentially, I believe, supposed to be a lesbian. And yes. he ascent, He kind of overcomes her her like lesbian tendencies because he's the most alpha male there is. And then she, you know, he like tames her with his cock.
0: Oh, see, I thought you were going to say that um, that Goldfinger was Brian Pillman in this situation, just kind of like keeping her close. Oh no, no, no. Okay, no.
2: <laughs> I, uh no. Uh no. I, I think like what I, well, I guess what i mean is that like there's this idea of like uh, a person being pseudo unwilling and then like but you but
0: but because he fucks so good yes that eventually he yes gets her so right.
2: i i think like i would say in in store for story purposes i would say that probably brian pillman was essentially raping her in the way that you know they say that uh, Jefferson had a, a slave mistress and you really don't call a person who you own a mistress mm-hmm. you call them a, you know a person you're raping so I think it's the same thing where it's like he was kind of forcing her to have sex with him and she didn't know how to like Kind of say no
1: to it. I and... think in 2019 terms, he was absolutely raping her. Mm-hmm. In 19, in the 90s terms, he was just kind of being a jerk. But then they were going to get away from the whole debate anyway by revealing that she was actually into it and in on it the whole time. So mm-hmm. That the you reveal know, the would skirt time. would skirt the whole would skirt the whole issue. Uh, but they definitely were playing fast and loose. And I do think by 1997 standards, they would come down and be like, "He's just boys being boys in locker room talk." This gal, you know. When obviously, by 2019 standards, and also by any standard, by, yes, <laughs> she, he was raping her. Mm-hmm. Is what the story was ha- that was playing out, and then, but her was going to be revealed that she was actually kind of masterminding it into it the whole time, which is actually so much makes it so much more fu- makes the whole thing so much more fucked up. Yeah, yeah, and it like FISA's whole big like I uh, can't trust women and don't believe them when it's rape because they really want. I mean, like it, yeah, it actually the more they justify, the worse it gets.
2: Well, good thing we don't have to follow that storyline anymore (laughs) or do we? (laughs) Oh Uh, Before we get
0: to the actual show Just two quick Raw shoutouts September 22nd's Raw Was one of the greatest things That I've ever watched in the history of WWE programming
2: It was a very good show I watched it, it's it's funny because I watched it And then you uh, Wrote up your your, um, Your rundown And I think like reading the rundown through your eyes, I was like, man, I should watch this again. Because I, I enjoyed it, but, like, I also... I watched these things at a time where, like, I'm kind of also just trying to get, th- like, get through it. I get it, yeah. It. It's a
0: lot of programming to watch. and
2: But, like, having, having... Hearing somebody, like, recap it, I was like, oh, you know what? Let me go back and, like, rediscover it. And it was... I watched it, and I really, like, didn't fast-forward through a lot of it because there were a lot <laughs> of things... I think the sign of a good match, in general, is when uh cuz a, a lot of a lot of the WWF matches around this time um can be categorized as you know you can use the top buttons on the on the um PlayStation 4 controller to like skip through the scenes so sure. you can go like beginning of the match the end of the match and mm-hmm. like if you did that for a lot of these matches you'd be fine because all the stuff that's important happens at the end and all the stuff that's right. important happens at the beginning. You have your promo and then you have like you have your end where like it goes ape shit. And the middle, a lot of times, is extremely boring and nothing happens. But I feel like there, uh, in that September 22nd one, and I think also in the, the week after, there were a lot of times where I like wanted to watch the full match.
0: Yeah, goddamn. Um, so Hunter Hearst Helmsley is set to face Dude Love in a false Count Anywhere match. Dude shows up on the screen and says, "Hey, cats, I'm not the kind of guy who's gonna do this fall counts anywhere kind of jive." And then mankind pops up and he's like, "I'm not also gonna be." And then Cactus Jack shows up, and the look on Hunter's face when he realizes that he has to face not dude love, not mankind, but the Cactus Jack side of Mick Foley's persona is one of utter fear. And the way that he sells that sold that match so beautifully. And what happens after is I would say in the top five of all the matches that we've seen so far. Would you agree? I didn't rewatch
1: it. I didn't rewatch it. I just, I didn't rewatch it. It was really good. Um, I remember it happening live, and I, my memory is always that we knew the three faces of Foley. We knew from those interviews that Cactus Shack was a big part of his career. And I remember when this happened, not seeing it coming at all. And then once it became – because I thought he was going to introduce Mankind. And then Mankind he's like, it's not me either. And we're like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. Oh shit. And it's like mind-blown. Yeah,
0: um, there's everything like it since. And then the match ends on an insane pile driver through a table. Which the fact that they did a this this close to
2: Austin's injury, it insane. But it was so fucking cool. It was extremely good. Also, I mean, for somebody who you know isn't hasn't said really much, like you know, when when Cactus Jack comes out, he doesn't really say much at all and then he immediately comes out with a trash can and a broom and rips up the the padding he his wrestling style again sold who he is immediately and and now I'm I'm like I I'm, I'm really excited to to hear him cut a promo because mm-hmm. I want to hear what's the voice of Cactus Jack bang bang I also think it'd be great I don't know if they're going to do this but I would I hope so I would love for Mick Foley's different personalities to have different alliances. I don't know if that would be it would like that would have made sense as a, as with the Gold Dust thing where it's like, oh, mankind and gold dust still are enemies, but dude love loves gold dust. <laughs> would have been cool.
0: Would have been. Um and then just one more of the most cuckoo bonkers things from this era. This episode, the September twenty second episode, and the following week, saw Sable kidnapped by evil Doctor Madman. And forced to partake in laser tag tournaments against members of the the WWE roster,
2: but starting with an announcer.
0: Starting with Howard Finkel, who is still trying to give like public service announcements, like there's no smoking in the auditorium. Please make sure that you watch with the the flash bulbs, uh, while he's trying to have a laser tag competition. And then the following week, it's the Headbangers, uh, the the tag team champions. On a handicap match with Sable, but she wins when she runs between them and they shoot each other. Well, wait, she also had a force
1: field. Is this wait? Is this the um like the play at home laser tag toy? Yes. Yeah, I wanted one. Now because now this is all coming back to me how badly <laughs> I wanted. It they had as, the as wrist a child. Shooter. I
2: think these were wrist shooters too. But it's yeah. like you
1: could wear it and you can play. It. Yes. Oh, do they still sell these? Should yeah, we do this one do. day? Should we have like a Prospect Park laser tag day? I still. I we are
0: doing the the water gun fight this summer. When? I'm just saying in August at some point. I'm, I'm figuring that out once I'm, I'm going done on with it. I'm going home today,
1: rolling the biggest bliff, and shopping for water pistols. Because <laughs> I will be loaded from the fucking neck down. Um, And I will be packing.
2: Uh, I played laser tag, actually, with a friend once when we were kids. And he did a badass thing. We went and played over by the local like um, elementary school. The, the, we had a, there were a lot of elementary schools in my hometown, but... There was like one of them that we went over to play by, and he got me by climbing up onto the roof of like one of the smaller like p- parts of the buildings and like shot me from the roof. And I was like, "What the fuck, man!" Like it was awesome.
0: <laughs> well, they always did the beat that... you by trespassing.
2: Yeah, for sure. I was like, "You did something super dangerous, and you win, and you deserve <laughs> it." Well, there was always like bases you had to invade, and so what
1: I would do is I would go to the like the, the base that the, the other team. You're had talking to about.
0: Go to. You're talking about like.
2: Q's are in the indoor laser tag. Yeah, stuff, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh well, th- uh, the outside. No, but this is like the outdoor stuff. You just run around shooting things.
1: Well, this I remember. We were like, well, you know, it was like American, like guts, like had to lot mm-hmm. of the fake yeah. structures. But I would go inside the base and I would like lay down on the floor by like where they were going to go, and I would just wait for them to come in, and then just shoot them all as they came in. And once you came in and were shot, like you were disabled for a while, so I had to, like, damn it, mm-hmm. and leave. And I would just be laying there like, ah, ha,
2: ha, ha. <laughs> you were the sniper guy. Um. All, so I, I also want to say that uh, I think calling him evil, Doctor Madman, doesn't really show a lot of faith in the audience and their ability. Doctor <laughs> Madman is not enough. We right? Don't... Wait, is this the good Doctor? No, no, this is the <laughs> this evil is the one, evil guys. One. He is real bad. By the way, I caught a bunch of salt at the end. I think uh, I was there was a little bit of mixing in the in the. If we're if we're giving that you know if we're giving cr- slight criticisms on the Bloody Mary, I was very nice to you, and I caught a little bit of salt at the end.
0: Uh, yeah, um, I was not used to this celery salt shaker, and so too much came out in the first one, and then I tried to even them between the two of them, so you caught me.
2: Well, I'm glad, as long as I got an, ex- an explanation for it. Should we talk about this actual pay-per-view now? Oh, wait,
1: what? We went, what, 45 minutes in?
2: <laughs> Evil Dr. Mad Men. Bad Blood, and the extra D is for... Oh, uh, Godwin's or those young guns, smoking I was going to say drug overdose. (laughs) Uh,
0: Very similar introduction to last month's introduction where it's kind of like talking about the sullying of Shawn Michaels. It
1: was a competent introduction, but it just makes me think so much, Erica, the point you made where you're like, it would be so great if every paper you had a thesis statement. Yeah, Like if they were like, here's the world we're in now, it's like how much more smart that would be and some of those early intros we got that were like, Shakespearean, how they like laid out the conflict before us. This was a little bit more recappy. I um, thought it was
2: a, a fine summary, yeah. it, it, but also I think like given the given what happened, I mean, I guess they didn't the pa- when they made the package, they didn't know right that what was going to happen, or did With they, Brian
1: Pillman, you mean Yeah, yeah. No, they so didn't.
2: they probably, I mean, they may have had more stuff that they cut out like last minute because obviously they have to sell some of it, right? I think mean, they
1: probably just leaned in. I think considering how. The rest of the card was pretty shitty anyway. Even yeah. if Pillman Dude Love happened, it still feels like it would have been all been about this main event.
3: Well,
2: yeah. Yeah. I think this main event really, as kind of Aaron was getting to before, this really only had like one match as opposed to some of the other pay-per-views where they could have a theme to put to yeah. things around. Everything was just like throw a bunch of shit out there. Even that was before they had a, you know, a person as a no-show. No no show to life.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like, no show to life. So the first match was the Nation of Domination versus the Legion of Doom. Not a huge amount of build for this one in the Raws leading up. Legion of Doom started the month facing the Truth Commission, which was more of an opportunity to show off how uh, powerful the South African team was. We still have not seen them on any of the pay-per-views yet. They would overtake the Legion of Doom with numbers until Shamrock arrived, at which point the nation showed up. There was a lot of matches that would devolve into chaos between these two groups. Uh, Shamrock was supposed to be in this match, but he was not cleared after he literally started coughing up blood in a match against Farouk. Yep. No, this is true. I know at the start of this match, my number one thought was, why does Rocky not have the mic right now? But also, like, why
1: couldn't they find any other partner?
0: I th- well, so they were. I feel like at the beginning they were trying to sell the toughness of Legion of Doom. Like we don't, we don't need another. Well, we don't well, need another partner.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, can I? Well, I want to ask the Rocky. So we're we're deep into the Rocky sucks era, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but meanwhile we have seen him cut a
0: very competent heel promo two months ago at this point, and have not seen him blessed with the mic. Sense.
2: Yeah, well, that's what I was going to ask. Is like, well, first of all, I can't tell if this is good heat or not, but maybe there's no such thing as bad heat. Like, if a, if a crowd, if a crowd's chanting Rocky sucks, and they like explode when you come in, is that does that mean that you are a bad wrestler, or you know that that you're not working well? But they
1: still yell that Kurt Angle sucks. You know what I mean? So you can't. I think at this point, it's transitioning. Because I don't think he sucks now. I think people realize he doesn't suck. It's
0: not indifferent. We'll say that.
1: Yeah.
2: I guess but that's if, what I'm getting at. Is like, is it is it a like is it a sign that things are going okay that people? have I think opinion so. About
1: him? Yeah. So like we hate you, um, but they we they want. Them but they to were hate chanting
2: him. that also when he was a when face.
1: He was and then a face. It was bad.
0: And so that was that was why it was bad. And that's why they had to then pivot because he was getting the push of all pushes and probably would have stayed a face had the crowd reacted the way that management wanted him to. But Rocky is looking very good in this
2: match. He's I agree. selling fantastically. Yeah. Um, I also thought um Hawk had a really good hot tag in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought LD looked pretty good in this match. Actually so, honestly, I think everyone looked pretty good
0: in a match that I could not have cared less about.
1: Agree, I think this iteration of the nation is so much better. So like Kama Mustafa, who we previously was known as Papa Shango, um, and Dilo Brown, who is new to us, and who will have a very long and storied
0: career in WWE. Who I looked this up, and this pay per view, he was a few weeks shy of 25 years old. He is a baby. He looks like a baby. He's also he's he's a great seller,
1: mm-hmm. and so like it's just like it made everyone looked good in this match because these were five competent workers. Um, and it felt good to watch them. Rocky's the greenest of the bunch. I guess DLo's green, but DLo just has something where you, you like watch him get his ass kicked. Mm. Um, I had fun watching this match. It wasn't good, but it also I had it wasn't it would get worse. It wasn't the night. it
2: wasn't terrible. I didn't have a lot of notes, which you know for me could be bad or good. Um, but it was I thought it was fine, and like you know, given that this angle is so played, and I don't enjoy. Seeing that kind of stuff, and also, uh, I was this something that they were building towards. I forget. You, did you mention that, or was this like a they? Was this book? Yeah, you know, like I
0: said, there there was just kind of. This is an era where a lot of these matches, just especially when you get these big multi-man uh, factions the matches just kind of devolve into the rest of the faction shows up and people start beating up each yeah. other. And there's a lot of spillover between the Bariquas and the um, and DOA and the Truth Commission and even now Legion of Doom with their multiple alliances where a lot of these matches do, don't have clean finishes and just wind up with a lot of chaos at the end. Yeah.
2: And from that chaos, they build matches like this. Okay, fair. Um, I guess what was going on in the back of my head the entire time probably because of McMahon was that I wasn't sure what was on the original card and what was being put on the card too this was on the card this was on the card so just the minis was. although Shamrock was supposed um, to be on there as
1: well so there's also injuries a lot of people dealing with on on this so Shamrock is injured Um, a lot of the IC title stuff we'll talk about when we get to that match was screwed up because of injuries Um, and all Brett Bulldog Patriot Invader are all also working injured. So this paper is also riddled with injuries. Um but this match was scheduled. Okay. Just With Ken Shamrock 3 on 3.
2: One thought I had at the end of this was I was just wondering about Hawk and Animal on their off days, especially <laughs> like given their haircuts like what is it like for them to just like cuz Animal especially has like a pretty terrible haircut. It's like no, I would say Hawk has the worst haircut of the two. No way, no, right. Animal, absolutely not. Animal has like the 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 mullet with no origin.
0: A hawk just has two mohawks. Hawk has yeah. a re- yeah a reverse mohawk. I would say Animal has a mohawk and then the side things and as well. The mullet and the long hair. Yeah, but the that's side worse. things look
2: worse. That's worse. Yeah, I, it, it looks like a like a. Tan okay, haircut. With Animal's build
0: and with Animal's facial hair, I think that he could get away with walking down the street in street clothes a lot better than Hawk could who looks like somebody's dad had a midlife crisis. Disagree. Yeah, I don't know. I also feel like
1: they walk around in that face paint. Like, <laughs> they go to Kohl's wearing that face paint.
2: Well, <laughs> I'll pay my check. Jack? Well, I got double coupons. <laughs>
0: And then we go backstage where Doc and Sonny are pushing the superstar line. All I could think during this is they're like, we're talking the winners and losers coming up is
1: uh, Nation Domination and LOD. And I thought to myself, I would pay any amount of money to talk to Hawk on the phone. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: if that was available right now, I would spend, if they were like, it's $500. I would do it. I would and be like guys go come over like this. Let's order, let's call the superstar line. I think it's worth it to talk to Hawk and to see what kind of crazy shit he says. I mean, I mean if,
0: if if that's what you were thinking then you were not listening to the words coming out of those people's mouths cuz it was truly cuckoo bananas. But let's go on with that for one second. What do you think you would say to Hawk at that moment? What would I what would I yeah. have
1: said to Hawk in 1997? Uh-huh. I would have been like you were robbed! <laughs> I was a little Mark, and I was like, You were doing so good! You guys should have won that match! That wasn't fair! How come the ref didn't see it? Did you tell the ref? You should have told the ref!
2: <laughs> Why didn't you talk to teacher?
1: <laughs> if someone's being mean, you should tell an adult! That's,
2: uh, that's what I would say. Well, well, <laughs> well,
0: at some point, you gotta quit being a little pussy and man the fuck up. Sometimes you're in the diapers, sometimes the diapers in you! He would say something that make no sense, and you kind of folksy. <laughs> well... <laughs> The iguana sure got the bean sprout on this one. <laughs> well, until you're both bucks are milking cows.
2: And you're like, what?
0: <laughs> Simple Simon met a pie man, ah. and it went right up your rear. No, but Tammy butchered her lines about taking Doc to the cell for some fun the way that she would later but- uh, butcher taking off her top with Aerosmith playing in the background. <laughs> and then Doc says to her as long as you remember me and they forget me it's alright with me
2: yeah I heard that and I didn't understand or like as long as you remember me if they forget me it's alright I think that's what he was meant meant to say basically uh, you're hot I want to stick my head between your legs um, and I don't care if um, nobody cares, nobody knows who I am anymore
0: right? yeah okay Sure, um, They also on the captions Changed the phone number For the defunct superstar line From 4WWF To 4WWE Wait ooh, ooh. I, thought,
2: I thought they were all blacked out
0: They're blacked out on the screen But the captions when they're reading off The defunct phone number ah. They've changed from WWF To WWE Well as I said
2: they They've really earned that copy paste award or I guess the find and replace award. So next up, we go back to the minis
0: with Mosaic and Tarantula versus Max Mini and Nova. The minis showed up a few times on Raw leading up, and it was still not terrible or overly exploitative.
2: Um, But it was in this one, right? Was it? I don't know. I just Didn't did like, did the, the king, king is, go on, a, like, a whole...
1: Like, so keep in mind, this is one of the matches... This is one they added that was not planned. So right. I think that shows... And I think this match was very sloppy. Like, physically yeah. sloppy. A lot of botching. Like, a lot of messed up moves. that was a lot of weird shit. Um, and they... Uh, I, the key, They had nothing to sell because it really wasn't, like, a feud they were selling. So there right. was nothing really to talk about, even on commentary. So it was just Jerry Lawler going off nonstop... And after a while, I was almost like kind of impressed. I was like, I just love how much the king hates these little men. <laughs> he just yeah. hates them so much. He's consumed with, like, a burning hatred for these performers. The whole night, was like, I fucking hate these guys. I wish they would just disappear. I wish they got squished.
0: He'd be so, he's just so mad. Instead of a, a Napoleon con- complex, he has, like, a Matumbo complex.
2: Or a Jolly Green Giant comp, or a, a, a Gulliver comp. A Gulliver.
0: I like that. I like
2: that. <laughs> um, lots of short jokes. I guess because he was didn't know what else to say. Yeah. Um. Also, I thought it was funny because I I for sure was confused about the tag rules because at one point, oh, Max yeah. Mini was out, or like maybe it was um, everyone was Nova was outside the ring, but it was like two on one a lot, and I was like, why Why is this happening? And they were. I think they were also confused because they were like, the explanation was, these guys don't know the rules yet. Like, this is what they do normally out in their place. These I mean, lucha but no, rules. But but they, they made the point that
0: in uh, lucha culture, I guess, during these matches, if someone's knocked out of the ring, then the other person's allowed to go in. But they also and, and might have just made that up. And But I appreciate that as far as like the commentary goes, as far as giving us... Somewhat. Commentary... I mean, it it goes to the purpose of commentary in these matches, which is
2: to give us the story. I would say I agree with that. Um, They were explaining why tags weren't happening. That explains why tags weren't happening. The thing that I didn't understand was why it was just blatant two-on-ones without tags, without Mm -hmm. anything. And I was just like, okay, guys Like, it just started with, like, two guys in the ring with, uh, with, like, against uh, Max Mini. And then, like, they just did that, like... They didn't, and then sometimes they sort of had like I think Nova kind of climbed, you know, outside the the ring at one point, and then the, the other guy didn't climb outside. I don't know. It was a lot of that weird stuff that had nothing that didn't really go to their explanation. And then they were like, "Yeah, um, I don't think the ref like speaks in like speaks uh, Spanish to mm-hmm. be able to talk to them about it." I don't. know. It
1: just feels like they were like, "Guys, we had to fill a fellow segment. Minis, you good?" And then no one talked. There was no booking agent. There was no producer. And then are just like, I guess we're out here and wrestle. And like, they're watching, they're like, why are they tagging anyone? And it's like, I don't know, goddammit, just tell them it's a lucha rule. And then they
0: just said they did. Yeah. It worked enough for me. Yeah. It, it was fine. Yeah. So then to the tag team championship, we have the Headbangers versus the Godwins. Oh, fuck the Godwins. A couple things.
1: One, we have a special guest ring shouter, Zunny.
2: Uh, I, I like to call her birthday cake flavored and Sunny because she came out in that tie dyed velvet. She
1: did come out like, is it the limited to? Um, you know, in the X Men comic books, when they take the consciousness of the War Room and they make it a person, and it becomes like one of the X Men named Danger, Danger Room.
0: I don't know this I reference, but I'm you guys were
1: reading along. comics, so Danger was you know the Danger Room in the X Men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it turns out it's revealed in comic books that. Um, it's actually well, it's Shiar tech, so it's, but it's it, a yeah. sentient being yeah, yeah, yeah. and eventually it liberates itself and is a freestanding it looks like a woman a robot woman android um, think uh, what's his name James Woods from the Avengers movie Ultron think like a lady Ultron James Spader James Spader Who is it? oh god gross yeah James Spader James Woods this is disgusting um, James Woods is a lady Ultron also <laughs> but uh, think lady Ultron anyway Sonny looks like as if the store limited to was she our (laughs) technology and ascension person and it came forward and it would be dressed in this velour, like a crop top halter tie dye two piece with shell bangs that honestly were like um, bar mitzvah sunglass novelty sized equivalent of shell bangs.
2: Okay, it was a long way to get there, but I'm so yeah, glad that we you got painted there. It a picture, you. and, and you, you used all of the colors on uh, on oh Sonny's palette.
0: I just oh said that uh, Sunny stumbled through the Groove is in the Heart video <laughs> on the way to the so ring that day. <laughs> so much. Money. You know what?
2: These are this is very much like the like the Bloody Mary type thing. Like yours was like mine with a lot of garnish, <laughs> and, and then. Aaron just, like, hits straight to it with, uh... Sunny
1: basically is the fruitopia of wrestling personalities.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She was wearing a green furry crop top on one of the Raws where it looked like she skinned a Muppet.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I just think we're, like, fully in this, like, very weird phase of Sunny where she has no job and no real purpose for being there. And they're like, I don't know. You're just sort of some sort of, like, uh, DDR raver slut. Like, that's just going to be your character. And DDR. she comes out... Huh? DDR? Dance, oh, Revolution? Dance Revolution. Sorry. And she basically just, like, comes out here and screams into the microphone to introduce
0: them. I'm like, take a breath, honey. Like, what are you doing? So to get to this, weeks earlier, the Godwins were mad and called out the headbangers, leading to one of the famous unsanctioned matches, which ended with the introduction of the latest Godwin, Uncle Cletus, who is notably more disgusting somehow wears a leather Confederate Civil War hat and hits people with horseshoes. He
1: was used to be a wrestler. He known famously, his name was Dirty White Boy.
3: <laughs> yep.
1: Um, not in WWF. Uh, but then in WWF, he was T.L. Hopper, the wrestling plumber. Oh, you brought him T. up T.L., short for Toilet, toilet Lid. Landed. So Toilet Hopper. So that's who he was um, previously. And yep. now he's Uncle Cletus. All fits. Um, I, my biggest complaint here, I have a lot. But my biggest one is I just wish Phineas wasn't so wet. There's something about always like a man overalls. that looks like that in wet overalls, and now he's shirtless and the whole thing is like honestly it's making me sick. It's gross. I <laughs> um, think about this. I think is very funny. Is I just like love. I love the parts. I'm gonna miss this is Vince's last pay per view on commentary. Um, and the thing I'll miss the most about Vince on commentary is all the little ways where Vince, uh, the character on screen, reveals Vince, the person off screen, all of his sexual kinks. Okay. <laughs> yep. So the fact okay. that he repeatedly was talking about Thrasher's tongue ring in this, and we're like, Vince, <laughs> tuck it behind your belt. We get it. Like, it is relentless. Right, the
2: whole piercing. He's like, right. he's
1: got some new adornment there to his face, His specifically his tongue, a piece of jewelry, through the tongue. As if by a needle and a professional piece of jewelry, like, just would not
0: let it go. Many studs out there, including the stud that's in Brasher's Tongue. <laughs> uh, the, that, that's what it
1: felt like. And you could just tell the whole time he was saying it, he was picturing what it felt like
2: on his butt. Did you guys, did you guys catch the, <laughs> the deliverance rape joke?
0: No, I missed that one, but I'm sure it was in there.
2: Uh, I think it was JR talked about how, um, I think you know, the the headbangers should be lucky they don't look like Ned Beatty or something. Oh, Mm -hmm. is that what that's a reference to? uh, Yeah, definitely the rape
3: joke.
1: Well, I did like a lot of Jerry Lawler's like, you might be a Godwin if... (sighs) Oh my god, King really wrote those Jeff Foxworthy jokes. Man, he was just, he was in it. Yeah, but uh, Vince being, Vince grossed me out a lot
0: in this match. Uh, I thought the finish was bad.
1: There there were some fuck-ups. Oh, sorry.
0: The spit-off.
3: Uh, Uh, i uh. I thought it was
0: great i thought it it it, it was character work right there so they're both disgusting so that was their thing was it phineas who spat up in the air and caught it yeah and then and then mosh spits up in the air and catches it in his mouth which is impressive Man, yeah. I'm
1: telling you, I wish they gave the headbangers more of a shot cuz I really think they could have been so over. And, they were already pretty over. And
0: in this match, the two of them are more on the same page than ever before. They sold that they've like come together as a tag team really well. It's sad that their run was cut short. And
1: I love that their move set feels like an extension of the characters. Like they use their own bodies a lot like they're in a mosh pit. Like the yeah, way yeah. they're like the way they jump and throw themselves, the way they they slam each other onto people. Yeah. That was so fucking cool. I, I I wish they they had a better a better run than they did. But still, this was um, fine. I thought this match was. This was one of the better Godwin yeah. matches. How did this match end? fine. Yeah. I didn't love the ending. Uh, Mosh goes for his stage dive move. Phineas goes to catch him into a power bomb, and I believe he intended just to power bomb him um, regularly. But Phineas kind of falls as he catches him. And he lands sort of in a seated power bomb that like he got it over, but you could tell it just wasn't. He didn't get all of it, and it wasn't all there, and it was a mistake.
2: I think I also didn't like the ending because it meant more fucking Godwins. Like, if they have the title now, they now it's we have to see them to unbelievable it. the amount of push the Godwins just always
1: get. I just I don't get what it is that Vince has with these guys that and like
0: they've got another gimmick change coming.
1: pretty sure too, right? and then Phineas has at least one more after that. Yeah. Wow, I'm curious um, what, what
2: happens with that.
1: It's bizarre, and but I just don't know. Well, He's just so in on these guys, and I, I
0: I don't get it. So St. Louis is a legendary wrestling city, apparently.
2: I I had I had a lot of fun with this. Um,
1: I feel like this was meant. This I don't have confirmation on, but my gut tells me that this segment was not meant to air on television. Was meant to be like a pre-show, off-air thing for the live crowd, local. But because they had they were eating time in the show, they did it here.
0: But also, the show didn't need to be three hours.
1: They also just not did that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it did, though, on pay-per-view. Maybe they had the slot they had, oh. and they, had, they really did have to, because it was just like pre-network.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was really funny that... Uh, if saint louis was going to have their own n w a it would be a wrestling thing <laughs> like of course, like you know their their n w a is gonna be as white as it oh, gets well
0: n w a was um one of the big bigger than w w f for a long time it stood for a national wrestling alliance no i know
2: i'm just saying like you know you' have got like compton had their had like n no. w a no i know what
0: you're saying i just i was just e- explaining to you
2: well no, you i do you know. Well, I mean, I knew that it was big because they, they had all those packages.
0: And NWA got absorbed, I believe, by WCW. I think so, too.
1: Because the big ones were NWA, Smoky Mountain, I want to say was the other big one. Jim Crockett. And Ohio, something, Ohio Valley. Something like that. That, was bought made the, the, that yeah. used to be like the feeder for WWF. Yeah. Anyway.
0: We're not that good at anything uh, that outside of know. WWF,
2: WWE. Yeah, so. that,
1: that, that territory days is a little before my time.
2: Um, I liked seeing uh, the uh, Flash Funks family, his his uh, lineage, the Funks. I do love,
1: <laughs> formerly known as the Funker, and
2: I was like, oof,
1: was he? Um, it was also a good reminder of like how hot some of these guys were, and then how not hot they became. And oh. I was like, well, let this be a warning.
2: Wrestling will kill you, yes. Um, like... Uh, did, did, did all of them. All they them had, were so hot they when they were Kelly young. Did Kowalski out there? No, no. no. It but, was um, Stasiak. Think, no, Snitsky. They had. It was funny because when they gave when, Snitsky, they, when they gave the story of all Jack of them.
1: Jack
0: Knitsky.
2: Gene Canisky, who had huge dark nipples.
1: Yeah, he <laughs> sure did. Uh, I just thought it was Big funny old that, like,
2: when they were giving the package on each guy. They basically just mentioned all the other guys, and then each package mentioned all the other guys, and then it was like, and then this guy beat this guy, and here's the guy that we just talked about who was beat. It's like if if somewhere in the
0: future they were giving an award for, like, our friend group, and then they would just be like, and Aaron and Tim went to college together, and then Aaron lived with Eric, and then (laughs) Tim dated Megan, and
2: that's when they met Bobby. No, but here's how it would go. It would be like... Aaron, who, as we all know, used to live with Eric and went to college with Tim. And then it's like, Tim, who, uh, who uh, went to college with Aaron and his friends with Eric. And Eric, who lived with Aaron. like It's just the same relationships retold from different
0: perspectives. Um, Jack Briscoe. We're going to see another Briscoe on screen. Gerald Briscoe. Soon, right? like, we've
1: seen him on screen. Okay. He's there. He's one of the... the, the He's a very sort of anonymous official who runs At out. At this to separate point, he's one of the
0: ones like uh, when one of the when the and DOA yes. get crazy. Then uh, he runs you out.
1: see you always see, and they will have huge parts coming up. Gerald Briscoe and Pat Patterson are the two guys you always see who are two legends, two Hall of Famers. Pat Patterson, I believe, was the first intercontinental champion, or maybe the longest previously for a long time. I think he was, I think he was the first intercontinental champion, but he's also um, one of the first openly gay. Wrestlers. Oh, um, he cool. came out much after he was out a- after like retirement. Sure. Um, but there is actually a pretty cool one of the uh, first WWE Network shows. If anyone is watching on the network, was called Legends House, and it was like a reality show where they put legends like surreal life, like living in a house together. Um, <laughs> and Pat Patterson was one of them. And they had like a really kind of crazy scene. This was maybe in twenty, I want to say fourteen or twenty fifteen Um, had this crazy scene where he was like talking about coming out and being like a a gay person in wrestling and crying, and like all these people were like, I think it was like, was the Captain Lou Albano was there, and he was like, Mm -hmm. "We got you." And it it was actually like a beautiful thing. All the queer like media picked
2: it up and stuff. It was kind of like a big story. But he had been out for a bit. Pat Patterson. Do you guys think Sonny fucked Munchnik in the in the (laughs) back room? Absolutely. She gave him that plaque, and then she sat in his lap the whole way.
0: Look, homie was ninety one. I was just impressed that he was like still breathing. Yeah, anyone in and,
1: wrestling
2: who lives past seventy or like, Damn. and
0: honestly, a lot of the guys who were out there are still alive today. I looked them all up. Wow, that's crazy.
2: By the way, the fact that that they couldn't get much Nick into the uh, ring, I think exposes the ADA issues that the WWE <laughs> has had. Before we get to the Intercontinental Tournament, uh,
1: Vince is giving us updates on the on the Brian Pillman situation, um, and I thought it was weird, anyway, but I thought it was particularly egregious the one he gives before this match, Um, where he has now said drugs weren't... It was a drug overdose. It does not look like it was foul play. Uh This is a problem with all sports and all forms of entertainment. You don't know if it was a uh, prescribed drug or recreational, I think is the mm-hmm. phrase he used. Yeah. But it was like there was a lot of ass covering he was trying to do there, and he seemed legitimately nervous.
0: He's, yeah, well, I'm he seemed... Sh- shaken and i the thing that i had to wonder through this is does vince mcmahon have a conscience or did he no. have a conscience at this point and no. he doesn't anymore i don't know no if
1: he was nervous it was business nervous it wasn't human nervous it was like oh boy i hope they'll come after my company for this I hope it wasn't our fault hope it was one like, of you, our doctors do that was given the first body him. he's buried no definitely not right. No, in fact, I think... it Didn't he actually... I mean, like, Jimmy Snooker when he killed that person? I mean, wasn't that the one that I think was the... Probably. The big... That was before this. Wasn't when Jimmy Snook... Didn't Jimmy Snooker kill that person before this?
0: Was he involved in the cover-up of that?
1: Vince? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh.
2: You know, allegedly. I, I believe.
0: <laughs> We're covering our asses here, too. At yeah, really. This oh. is
2: a parody podcast. We... <laughs> We only say things that uh, are all jokes. So now we've got the finals
0: of the Intercontinental Tournament, and we already discussed how Owen got to the finals. Um, Farouk lost the first match to Shamrock when, after he apparently punctured Shamrock's lungs, which was the report that was given. But then they did that WWE thing where, for some reason, Farouk is then advanced into the second round because Shamrock can't keep going. Ahmed Johnson then beat Rocky Maivia in the first round. But in the most Ahmed Johnson of ways, he cut his hand open on an errant nail in the announce table and finished out the month with a huge bandage over his hand.
2: So that was a real thing.
0: Yeah. Ahmed Johnson. Ahmed Johnson is... Can't do anything right. I can't wait for next month when they book Ahmed Johnson in a ring against nobody, but it's just full of rakes. (laughs) (laughs) Farouk won their meeting after Ahmed got the DQ for hitting him with the steel chairs uh, because he was so angry. So if you're paying attention at home, four of the six matches to get to the finals ended in a disqualification for the other person.
2: It's a real barn burner.
0: But we can't talk about the Intercontinental Title Tournament without talking about Stone Cold Steve Austin and everything that's been going on with him. Is it fair to say that Stone Cold is the WWF at this point?
1: Very much. I mean it's like him, Taker, Sean, Brett, that's really the the they're the whole company. I mean like they're everything. Um, the mid-card is giving us very little, right? As we saw the rest of this pay-per-view. But Stone Cold is, I mean, like, it's honestly, I feel emotional talking about it. Like, he's just so fucking good. And we're seeing, like, the peak. And I think, like, even I, like, in retrospect, and am like, oh, if they give Austin and Undertaker and Shawn Michaels, like, so much credit. But now going back and watching it, it's like, wow, holy shit, they are so fucking good. And Stone Cold, you know, almost none of this is scripted. Like, he's just going off the top of his head and just fully committed to every choice he makes and is being incredible. Uh, but I guess I mean, I'm probably getting ahead of us.
0: And, uh, well, yeah, and and... Considering I'm sure they had an entire plan of what they were going to do with him holding the Intercontinental Title, they've done a pretty fucking good job considering what happened. Tournaments are great,
1: and like why they don't do them anymore drives me crazy. I mean, like I think that's why Triple H is trying to like make proof case, like proof points with like uh, the Cruiserweight Classic and the May Young and the Dusty Rhodes Classic, and like this new one they're doing on NXT currently uh, with the people who've never been on TV before. So, the, tournaments work because the stakes are clear. Like they're competing, they, they're fighting for a reason to advance so they can win an ultimate prize. Like so, tournaments work well because the storytelling is built in. Uh, so in this case, even though it was a botch or like an injury that kind of forces their hand into doing this, uh, is a good choice and it ends up playing out really exciting. Even though it gets thwarted
0: throughout with all these other new injuries. So to go back, Sergeant Slaughter is pissed after the chaos of Ground Zero, and is ordering Austin to surrender the Intercontinental title at Bad Blunt. Austin, miffed to say the least, tells Slaughter the only thing you've been ordering is a bunch of cheeseburgers. Chef's kiss. Attacks him, gives him the stunner, and we start to see the tension rise between Austin and McMahon. Uh, Heart Foundation wants Austin suspended, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Next week he's interviewed by the King, Owen serves him a restraining order, and because the King is too close, guess what happens? Austin stuns him. This all leads to one of the most important moments in WWF history. Back to September 22nd, Madison Square Garden, Owen is celebrating his victory over Brian Pillman when Austin attacks him. Police swarm the ring and are about to hit Austin with a nightstick when Vince intervenes. What's the matter with you? We understand you being upset, but you can't break the law. He makes extremely valid points at this point about how WDF cares about Austin, but he has to work in the system. Austin says, I appreciate that you care and I appreciate that you can kiss my ass and stuns Vince McMahon for the first time. The opening salvo is fired in one of the greatest
2: rivalries in wrestling history. Okay, so here's where I'd like to step in as somebody watching it now. Uh, for the first time. So I, I I know that Austin and McMahon have a rivalry. I I sort of have an idea of where it goes. I, I don't really understand how we get there, but I, you know, I understand what this means. Um I think like I like what Austin does where basically he's the rattlesnake and you never know who he's going to strike. I think what I'm missing though is like getting into his head for the rationale because I know in a lot of these cases he has to surprise them. So he has to say like, well, I appreciate how you care and I appreciate how you can kiss my ass. Ah!" Then he does it. What I would like to hear, and what i haven't heard in the time since when there have been some promos, and maybe there's still time, but what i haven 't heard is like the 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 true Austin response other than i'm because like he does a stunner to king i'm not sure I understand why he was too close
3: well,
2: he was
0: just in the vicinity when Austin was mad see okay that's a little okay, but fine. he
1: doesn 't play by like i'm a heel, so I'm nice to other heels. Like, there's no reason in today's WWE why Drew McIntyre and Elias are friends other than the fact they're both heels. So it's sort of like politics makes strange bedfellows. The enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of logic. Yeah. Which is pretty thin, though, because yeah. in reality, like, it doesn't make sense. Whereas, like, just like I was just saying, like, tournaments make a lot of sense because the stakes are clear. Sometimes these vendettas and just being like, I'm a heel, so I like to beat up good guys. Like, it doesn't carry a lot of weight. So Austin's whole thing is that he was this anti-hero that he is not necessarily a good guy. He's going to he's going to beat up uh old defenseless people like JR. He's
0: going to I I, I disagree. I think that he ha- that we've gotten this this from him. He has said this is what I do for a living. This is how I make my money and you all are keeping me from making my money. And so he sees everybody outside of the ring everybody inside of the ring as everyone inside of the ring is someone he needs to beat to make his money everyone outside of the ring now is somebody preventing him from being in the ring to make his money right but you
1: would never see Roman Reigns so mad right now at, that he would hit uh, Todd Phillips. <laughs> you know sure. what I mean? Like, he, he just wouldn't attack a sure, face like sure, that. Sure, 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 Like, a, especially like a face that's a non-performer
0: in a way that Austin does. So it's like... But Roman is also here to inspire people. And so, Roman, like like I'm saying, built into Austin's character is somebody who is a right. badass, who is who is only in here for himself right. and nobody else. Right. Yeah.
2: No, I get all that. I'm
0: saying, I, I was... Talking about to Eric's point, I think that there is motivation for Austin for doing what he does.
2: I okay. I guess what I'm saying, I, I understand sort of what you're saying, but to me, and, and I understand the antihero, but I think all, the thing about about people in general is that nobody thinks of like people don't think of themselves as evil, right? Mm-hmm. In real life, people don't really like you, people do evil things and they justify it. So, I'm not, I, I don't care that like, that Austin is doing things that are, you know, that we would look from the outside and say, like, that's not a, that's not what a good person does. What I care more about is just like understanding like why. So, like, your, your, your explanation of like Lawler got, Lawler was too close when bad news was delivered. It was like, Okay. Okay. Is that it? Or, I mean, are we? Is that what we're supposed to infer? Did they explain that? Did he ever explain that? Or like, I don't really understand Jr. I mean, Jr. of, of all people seems like the most like neutral person. So if they did a little bit more work on the like, it, on like, I'm a fr- like I have to tell you something, Steve, and I know what you do. Like, don't kill the messenger. Then maybe that that helps sell it a little bit. And and then like with the Vince thing. I think it would have been more powerful to me. Like, I'm not taking away anything from, from Austin. He cuts a great promo. He he's a, a super compelling presence. But I think if if like mankind had been in this position, if Mick Foley had been in this position, uh, where something like something was supposed to happen like this, I think there would and if and if there had been an opportunity for him to speak on it, I think there would have been something along the lines of like. Uh, you Vince, you don't care about me. Actually, you just care about your investment but there, in me. There
1: was that during the Foley had the interview with Jr. At the end, he attacked Jr. For really no real good reason, and we all thought it was great because it showed that he's like, oh, we showed all this thing about him, but it's, it's just showing you that's like honestly, but I can't be trusted because I'm a fucking nut nutcase.
2: <laughs> no, I get that. I don't know, and he that did mean- it, did the
1: exact thing. I think. I think what's hard is we're trying to project like the rules and reason of real everyday life onto the strange world of wrestling, and what we've seen in years, the precedent's been set. Why Austin is such a revelation is that there were unspoken rules. Commentators don't get hit; they don't. You're, they're not part of the show in this way. Right. So the fact that he's just doing it like the medium is the message. Like the fact that he goes above me and he attacks these people is his way of saying like I unpredictable in a a meta sense like i'm not playing by the typical wrestling alignment you're used to i can do anything at any moment and you all should be ready for that so everyone should stay the fuck out of my way and not get on my bad side because the rules as you've known them no longer apply
2: and like that's the statement so basically for me he's like an agent not having having like lived with those rules for enough it it just i was like okay fine you want to do this but like I I need I like it'd be great if I, if you could tell me also obviously I'm I'm watching with like 2019 eyes totally. and I see like you can see like when Daniel Bryan or any of these other heels uh can or um Sami Zayn who like take you know take their heel role and they take a me- they take like a message that you that you can you know you can't always argue with or or some you know a message that uh encapsulates their philosophy and you're like oh you're uh, you're working the heel angle, but you're also like making sense in what you say. Sure. So like, I you know, going like looking back at it probably before this kind of thing existed in their in their world, they didn't maybe have the words for it. Yeah. I think that and what
1: what happened is after this, they try to recreate this and make this so much of the norm that now what you're seeing with that is almost a response to the overkill of this.
0: And this is almost a response to the heel face dichotomy. Yeah, this is this is breaking all of that down.
1: So right. it's all. I mean, that, that I mean, you're tracking basically the whole evolution of the fucking art. I mean, like that's really what it like. What would it's been? But this is so crucial because it's just the fact that it's 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 like it's like uh it's like punk rock in that way of like, it's like, it's the anti by breaking the rules, even if it's noise. And even if it doesn't make sense, even if the like doesn't follow music theory and chord progression and all that yeah, stuff, yeah. the fact that it's not is the message. And the fact that he's being so unpredictable and, and throwing out all the way things are done is in itself, him putting his stake in the ground.
0: Yeah. Cause wrestling used to be the, the heel beat the face. Then they, they, the face like powered up and then the face beat the heel. And that was, the story that was the only story,
2: right? Um, another philosophical question that might be a little controversial: Do you think the Stone Cold Stunner is a two-part move, the way that Austin does it? Yes. Yeah, it's because right? it's the kick, and it's then the ki- it's got to be yeah. the kick, and then. Oh, I'm glad we agree on this. 100%. I was going to say, like, because, like, clearly the Stunner's been around for a long time, um, right? Because I, I believe that I, I saw something on Twitter. Well, there's I, variations. I mean, Undertaker did one in
1: on this pay-per-view. I mean, right. like.
0: And I guess you can have a surprise stunner, but it's, it's what differentiates it, I think, from the RKO is, the, is that it's got the kick beforehand. No, I know they're two different moves, Bobby. I yeah. you know what you're about to argue with me. I realize that they're two completely different moves. All I'm saying is that the, the big cutter. thing about the RKO is that the RKO comes out of nowhere, yeah. that there's no setup for that move.
1: There's also recently a uh, poll. I believe on WWE.com, that ranked the RKO as the greatest finisher of all time. Snuggles, you've lost, the Stone Cold Stunner, I believe, was like two or three um, because it's unpertensable, and okay. I, well, I agree. Glad
2: glad I, just guys... wish,
0: I just wish it wasn't an awful, awful human being that possessed that finisher
2: because um, the RKO is awesome. I'm glad you guys didn't agree about the about the two-part move idea. Good. It's a kick and then the, and then the actual stunner. I wish
0: I had as much to say about the actual match that followed this. Um, oh, wait. They didn't uh, have much
2: to say. Ready Farouk talk? faces
0: Owen for the Intercontinental title.
2: So I'd like to talk about the let's see the promo. Um... Farouk or Owen? Actually, you know what? There wasn't
1: the, the promos weren't even that good. I, I want to talk about to Owen's new music that debuted at this. That sounds yeah. like uh, Prodigy just discovered ska. It was <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> and also maybe recently saw Stomp. It was just like a lot of <laughs> noise. I was like, this is actually not even technically music. It's just... It was awful.
2: Yeah. it. At first, I was like, wait, is this... Was it, it Like, it sounded like parts of, like, Austin's music. I don't even It know. gave
1: me, like, weird, like, synesthesia. Like, I just felt like there was, like, part of, like, the sound that was coming out of my TV was making me physically sick. Like, there was, like, a weird, like, psychosomatic reaction I was having to it, because it was unlistenable noise.
2: If we turn out not to have a lot to say about uh, Owen versus Farouk, I think it's because... I don't think they had a lot to say about Owen versus Farouk. I mean, basically the whole gimmick in the match was that Austin was going to come down and eclipse them by literally just fucking around with people. Like at first I thought the bit was going to be, he he was going to take out different forms of communication throughout the match. Like he started with the, with the walkie talkie. He started with the headset. Oh, okay. Then he went to the walkie talkie and I was like, Oh, I hope it's a tin can at some point. <laughs> And then it was just like, oh no! Now he's just now Austin's just walking around. He's walking over to the other table. He's gonna talk to all the all the, uh, the the announcers from you know in other languages, and it was like it was like there wasn't a match happening. I couldn't tell you anything that happened in that match. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. No, Austin was definitely the star of the show the entire time.
3: Yeah.
1: I mean, I, I I really have almost nothing to say about this match. It I was a snooze. It was one of I think the weaker Owen Hart matches we've seen. A lot of it, I think is attributed to them getting the news that Brian Pillman is dead. Hours, per- I, they, I really do think that it's like a big part of it.
0: But I mean, I do have to say that the
2: booking for the end of this match was beautiful.
0: Yeah,
1: So
2: totally. I'm assuming. I'm assuming the idea is that. That Austin well, yeah. wanted to... Well, Hold on, Yeah, Bobby, can you just go over the end
0: real sure. quick?
1: Sure, at the end of the match, uh, Farouk is down, the ref is distracted, Austin nails Farouk with the icy belt, essentially handing Owen the win. Owen, his sworn nemesis, the man who broke his neck the man and made him wearing loo- lose the belt. a shirt
0: right now that says, Owen 316, I just broke your neck. But
2: you know what? I, I immediately understood why he was doing that. It was because... He wants Owen. He wants basically to to set Owen up so that he can beat the shit out of Owen yeah, to get the top. hundred percent. Yep. That yep. made that see that made more sense to me than some of the other stuff. But I get it.
0: Yep. I loved him calling out Owen for the cheap heat on the shirt I and mean, everything Austin did here and everything Austin does. Your eyes just gravitate to him. He is
1: so. Hot. And I <laughs> did not catch how hot he was when I was watching this as a child. Because, like, as a child, even I was like, Shawn Michaels is hot. Mm-hmm. I never realized how hot Stone Cold Steve Austin is. He is so hot. Smoldering. So fucking hot. Oh my God. It's like, it was like hard for me to like stare at the screen when he was like on it. Because he is like uh, Channing
0: Tatum vibes hot.
2: All right. Well,
0: my only question is who do you think um Owen would have been facing had Shamrock not gotten hurt because if Shamrock hadn't gotten hurt then Shamrock would have moved into the next round it Maybe would be Shamrock
1: have... no i think it was i actually think it was supposed to be Ahmed then it would right?
0: then it would be Ahmed versus Rocky but then i would but then it would be Ahmed versus Shamrock which would be a face versus face so i think Rocky probably would have gone forward and it would have been Rocky Versus Owen here in the finals.
1: Maybe unless Farouk was always going to go over Ken. Unless Shamrock, even though he was injured, was always going to go over.
0: No, no, Shamrock got the pin in that match
2: where he got injured.
0: No. Oh. shit! Sorry,
1: it's so many bloody <laughs> marius I mean,
2: the, isn't this the way the tournaments work though? I mean, you're, if you're going to have everybody be a, fa- a face and a heel, face and a heel, face and a heel, you're going to have two faces go. Well, no, but in, in this this final match, you had two heels. And I think they so, wanted Ahmed
1: in this final match. However, at some point that was going to
0: happen. But then he just
2: fucking <laughs> okay.
0: Ahmed Johnson did. And then Los Bariquas versus DOA. My only note that I had on this is you could have just had the event be shorter. <laughs> Would we? I guess we couldn't.
1: However, as we know, like you had other dude love still could have wrestled. Yeah. Jim Neidhart still was there, yeah. You why not have them have a match?
0: Well, because DOA had been completely absent from Raw on the lead-up, and the only thing the Bariquas did is Bariquas faced against the Headbangers and almost got the pin um, to win the belts, but the Godwins interfered because they wanted to make sure that they were going to face the Headbangers for this event. So that's all that they had leading up to it, other my, than past aggression.
1: My only note during this, which is going to maybe have to be edited in, There'll be another Brian Pillman reference in this. Mm-hmm. Jr. makes a reference, and Jr. talks about like, oh, "How is this going to affect Marlena?" As if like tying it to the story. They and it was whew, tough to hear.
2: Tying weight. Tying so
1: being weight. like, we don't, still don't know what's going to happen with Marlena. Like, oh, and you're like, on, no, 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 same. it's over. Yeah. There's no salvaging the storyline. Give it up. But he tried to. I'm sure at Vince's behest. Tie in the real life death of Brian Pillman with the storyline Marlena situation they sure. were having. Uh, with this, like, well, where does that leave Marlena now? And it's like, no, 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 no. He left three kids behind and a fourth on the way and a wife.
2: Yeah, gross.
1: Yeah, that's the only note I had from this. For otherwise, I didn't pick up anything from this. Uh, uh, I like the
2: Boric was change in ring gear. I thought it was. I thought it's slightly better than than I don't know. Oh yeah,
0: that, I uh, agree. They kind of usoed them up.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But why can't the hairy guy just not wear a tank top? <laughs> I mean, like, as a hairy guy myself who has swam who spent many years swimming with a shirt on, Miguel, put a shirt on. There's
0: a hairy guy wearing a tank top right now. No, but you're not. I'm not as, I you, realize. You don't but have the, got no. shoulder I have shoulder hair. Have shoulder hair. Yeah, not but not it's not, not the same. same. Not it's the
3: same. same. It's you're not, not
0: known as the hairy guy. guy. I just want people to make me feel less self conscious about my hairy shoulders.
2: So. Aaron,
1: you're beautiful. You can wear anything you want or nothing at all. <laughs>
2: um also I felt I thought that like the way that the announcers were talking about other matches during this match made me very confused because, obviously, the whole night felt like it was thrown into confusion. So when they're talking about the flag match and all this other stuff, I was like, wait, is this is this also, like, a match that just got, like, scrapped together at the same, you know, at the last minute? I couldn't tell. No. All of these this, matches seemed like dude, they this, were, like, last this minute. This was thrown together. This was oh. this
1: was not on the card. This was this was a last minute add to the card. See, I, I couldn't. This I was, was so
2: confused about all of it, so that makes sense.
0: Should I get to the big match of the night?
2: You mean the flag match with <laughs> yes. the <pigeon>? Oh baby. <laughs>
0: um I can give the recap of the Raws leading up to this, Please but no. it's pretty shit, absolutely not. We get it, what America
1: rules, Canada drools. There was Flex. one point
0: where uh, <laughs> Owen was waving the Canadian flag at the at the Patriot as like a vampire hunter was waving a crucifix at a vampire, but
1: Oh my god, the pre-match promo where Patriot is looking at the wrong camera, I think says everything you need to know about the Patriot.
0: <laughs> Although Vader said bullshit.
1: He did. that. They did not want... They bleeped it on this, but it wasn't bleeped when it aired uh, originally, obviously. I Vader. I uh, love Vader, Vader, I know, love
2: I, Vader too. I, this I'm was on a the great, Vader train. And he was great in this match. Oh my god, you, here's the thing. Um, so I was actually just editing a, a previous episode or an episode from before that's going to be coming out soon. Where I talked about how Talia was watching a match and talking about how boring it was. And I was, and like Vader was on. I was like, no, 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 you have to see. Vader does um, like a moonsault, which is insane. And in those times since, every time Talia comes home, I'm watching a Vader match. I'm like, oh, he's getting on the ropes. He's getting on the ropes. And it's just a Vader bomb. Mm -hmm. But this time, when he did not only a moonsault,
0: but landed on his his feet. feet.
2: When he did it, like I, I was watching, I was like, "Oh my god!" And then Talia came home. And I was like, "Talia, sit down right now!" And I like I forced her to watch it. Mm-hmm. She's like, "That's pretty cool." <laughs> she thought
0: it was that, cool. and, and knowing Talia, that is a big win.
2: win yeah, right there. yeah. She she liked that I was able to appreciate a big man being able to do a backwards somersault. We also had
1: another fan run in during this match. Mm-hmm. A fan run into the ring and get his ass-handed him by British Bulldog and um, oh. Mike Kyoto, the referee? Uh,
0: well, at one point, the ref had to tell him, no, Bulldog, you need to finish the match. Yeah. You can't continue pummeling You can't go guy. murder this person. <laughs> <laughs> but we skipped over something very important and very, very stupid in this match, and that was the new stipulation that you didn't have to grab the flag and it could just be a pin, which I feel like, before the match, they all tried to climb and that realized that high. they couldn't.
1: Well, it's also they were. Like I said, mentioned earlier they were all four members of this match were injured, and that was the justification for change to adding the pin stipulation. The flags, as we've seen flag matches in years since, which first of all, please we never have a flag match again. They're always the worst. So boring. Please never ever ever do another one. Ever ever. Please, I'm begging you. But they are now. When you see them, much shorter. Like it's very easy to grab the flag. Almost too easy. I see. Um, these were higher, but also, and they were like, we can't fucking climb. We're all we're all beat up. We can't do it. So that's where the pin submission was added. Both. My big note for this was this match is too long.
0: I mean for me I wrote it's going to take a lot to get me into this match and then I realized oh wait Vader is awesome and Vader can get me
2: into literally any match. Yeah, he was really good. Um I thought on the other hand Patriot was terrible. He had like he had really bad spots. There was a Look, I only, care about, uh, a, a, I only look, care about Vader when he's at a white castle. <laughs> <laughs> there was a, but no, there was a, there was a, a drop kick spot where he it, totally c- clearly missed. Uh, there was, I think it was like a kick to a midsection that, again, very clear. Like he, you know, you could have fit another wrestler between his foot and 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 uh, maybe I don't know Owen Hart's or, or no, sorry uh, Bret Hart's or Bulldog's body. It was just useless the other thing I'll say about this match is the ref legitimately had me worked
0: in this match where I was getting so mad at him for not looking at the heel corner and for being distracted. Like, come on. It's uh, it's so obvious. They're hitting him from behind. Turn around ref
1: well I mean the idea that like refs turn around and like someone's unconscious and there's like a steel chair still vibrating (laughs) like still giving off the sound of hitting a human head and they're like well I guess he just fell like what like what did you think happened and they
2: drop to the ground and start like hitting
0: anybody have anything else for this one? no I want to move on please um we have a promo for Survivor Series where Gang Rules is the uh the headline for this one here gonna see a lot between Bariquas and DOA and Truth Commission and NOD and all of that. Oh, good! My
2: favorite story. I
1: love. I don't. I. I don't like gang wars with a Z, um, but I do like factions, and so, and I, I can't. No, tell gang rules with a Z. Whatever, um, and I can't tell honestly if it's um, mm. the fact that I got. I was interested when factions were big. Or I liked factions, and that's why I liked wrestling so much. that's like chicken or the egg, like which one yeah. it was. But I love factions, and I wish they were doing more of them today.
2: Yeah, no, we've talked about it. I know, I, I know, I know. Uh, yeah, and I think as a concept, I like factions. I just don't know if I like these factions that much. I don't know if I like – I definitely don't like watching them DOA. They still can't figure out if it's Chains or – The announcers – because I I don't know the difference between Skull and 8-Ball, but
1: I know Chains via Crush. I know that I know Skull and 8-Ball the bald right. ones. Um, but the announcers have no idea who anybody is. They're like, that's Crush and the rest are all interchangeable. And,
2: like, those are those are supposed to be faces. Yeah. They're faces, and they're like, yes, and they've got Crush, uh, I mean, chains uh, up against. It's like, come on, guys.
0: And they've done no better for the Bariquas, either. If it wasn't for uh, Miguel's um, terribly hairy body, yeah. we wouldn't be able to tell he him. He needs to wear a tank
2: top. Like, He needs to wear nothing he needs to so be known we a, can distinguish him guy. as the hairy guy. Yeah, so... Uh, we we had the you were talking about survivor series then are, are we ready to talk about the
0: promo well so we're getting ready to talk about an era defining and podcast naming match where the lead up for this was kind of weird cuz they just kind of threw in and Shawn Michaels and Undertaker are going to be facing off in something called Hell in a Cell. And there's not, it's going to be a, a cage match with a lid on it. And it wasn't, until, I feel like they just named the match. And it wasn't until the weeks leading up that they figured out how to make it special. Because eventually along the way, they started showing vignettes of them building the cage and
2: started promoting, oh, this is, there is no escape for this. Yeah. It's, and they, they were actually calling it Hell in a Cell. Like, uh they I think they've they've moved afterwards to hell in a cell for things.
0: And it's also with the lead up to this, kind of amazing that Degeneration Generation X caught on the way that they did, because as funny as it was watching Shawn Michaels use the European title as a spit shield against Sergeant Slaughter, it was mostly a lot of him literally sticking his tongue out and flicking Vince McMahon.
1: I remember being let's see so 97 so i've been in sixth grade at this point so i'd be like 11 years old mm-hmm. uh and i thought this was the coolest i thought mm. he was the <laughs> coolest person to ever walk the face of the earth
0: because he flicked vince mcmahon on the ear just everything it
1: was so funny and didn't care and it was just like didn't give a fuck about anything and i just thought he was the coolest thing so i understand maybe as a 30 something we find it immature and childish but as a child i thought it was awesome <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's some real, like, uh, it, it's for the the Groundlings. Mm-hmm. It, he's definitely performing for the Groundlings there. Uh, it's all just like, hey, sticking up my tongue, going to, like, go, you know, dance around while while uh, Triple H is cutting a promo. It was a lot.
0: This is all about Eric's long-held grudge against the acting troupe, the Groundlings, right yes. here. <laughs>
2: yes, yes. Uh, sorry, I, yeah, I mm-hmm. meant uh, Shakespeare's Groundlings, obviously.
0: Um so the direct lead up to this right here we had a match between Hunter Hearst Helmsley and Undertaker during the match obviously China shows up obviously Rick Rude shows up Rick Rude hits the Undertaker in the back with a briefcase which we turn find out is holding a body bag
1: very cool they get, Very cool. I don't care. Very cool. They get
0: Undertaker into the body bag. The body bag sits up in Taker Faction. He bursts through the body bag. He chases Shawn Michaels that up the That is so ramp. cool.
1: <laughs> Everything you're saying is so cool. I agree.
0: I agree. Yeah. Chases him up to the ramp. Uh, he tries to go back to gorilla position where there is a like red flaming looking light and smoke coming from back there. So he starts climbing the Titantron, and that's
2: where it ends until we get to this pay-per-view, the locker room had become hell, <laughs> as we know. Um, I thought, yeah, I mean, is it cool putting Undertaker in a body bag? Of course, it's cool. Is it cool yeah. for a, for a body bag to sit up? Of course, that's cool. Yes. Uh, is it a little weird to carry uh, your body bag in a briefcase? A little weird. No,
1: if you're no. not if you're a professional, <laughs> you're Rick Rude. You're an insurance policy.
2: <laughs> like. You would think, like, it's a little bit like when you, We're like... to put it
1: in an NPR tote, Eric? I was, gonna, well, I was just going to
2: say, it's like, it's like when you carry, yeah, it's like when you carry, like, a tote bag in your book bag. Like, you know, like, these are two carrying things. Like, you didn't have to, you didn't need a case for it. Or have something else in the briefcase, too. It was a metal briefcase, so he could
0: use that as a weapon. I feel like this was a well-thought-out plan right here.
2: There should have been, like, a pocket. There should have been, like, in, and within this briefcase, I've got many things. I've got, first of all, your policy, Mr. Michaels. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got those the cards. i got the case. Affleck duck in <laughs> here. we got the cards in case you get you get pulled over by the police. I the Gecko
1: Gecko and the stack of money with the eyeballs on it.
2: <laughs> and
0: the cavemen. Uh, Ken Shamrock is the guy Caveman.
1: I want like an after school special where these are the crossovers of all the Saturday morning cartoons. Except it's all of the insurance (laughs) spokes creatures. And Rick Rude.
0: Oh god. I'm just having a flashback to that crossover Saturday morning special where they told kids not to do drugs.
1: With Garfield and the Ghostbusters? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly what you're talking about.
0: Ugh. Okay, so let's get to one of the most iconic matches of all time <coughs> Sure. And-
2: so first, before we get into the match itself that uh, Sean cuts a, a promo And I like hearing Sean give all the reasons Why he's going to prevail at Helen in the Cell Phone Well, hold Hell on Because
0: first he's like Well, thankfully my European, my beloved European title is in up for grabs I felt like at the beginning Sean was conceding that he is going to lose this match <laughs>
2: Well, no, he's saying, you know, like, in case anything crazy happens. But he's like, you know, look, I'm going into hell. It's going to be crazy. I'm like, I've got, I've got the whole world against me. The, like, I, I, he's basically saying I've been done dirty. And that they had it, they put him up against the Undertaker at one point. I've been done
0: dirty because I have to have a fair match against
2: somebody. Right. But like, now they're putting me in this hell, in this, in this cell, blah, blah, blah. But I like the way he lists out the reasons why he will do well in this match um are, it's like uh, the weapons of the Spanish Inquisition. Like, the chief reason that uh, Heartbreak Kid <laughs> will win is because of his endurance. His endurance and his uh, guts. The two chief reasons why Heartbreak Kid will win is Endurance, guts, and fortitude. The three, three, reasons three reasons that reasons. I will win. <laughs> Yeah, it was like, he's like, and you know, also because I'm, um, I'm the best and I'm really good. Not to
0: mention he's saying all of this while he is wearing a leather armlet with straps across him, all studded. It's definitely leather daddy Shawn Michaels coming through and through.
1: Now, as a gay, um, first of all, that is full fetish wear, which and we all know Shawn Michaels travels in he fetish dabbles, wear. Yeah, yes. that's his whole thing is that he is like, I have fetish wear, will travel. That's my uniform. My favorite part about this piece, uh, if you look closely at the elbow region, there is also some panels of what is known as illusion mesh, a nude-colored mesh to look like his arm is exposed, and I could never let me figure out the function nor the fashion of it
2: being there, but I'm so glad that it was. You know what's suggested by Pillman? <laughs> He's good. He was good. All right, R.I.P. Um, I also, before again, before we end his match, I want to call out one thing, which is that... Uh, I'm starting to see the, the the blossoming of the Heartbreak Kid Undertaker rivalry. Right? It's and, and you've you've mentioned that it's going to be a rivalry that goes on for years, um, and it's huge. And there's a lot of stuff to it. I do think that there's a certain absurdity to the rivalry because, like, when you think about great rivalries, um, they usually there's a symmetry to them. Like Superman versus Lex Luthor, right? Like Superman is is all brawn and strength, and Lex Luthor is all like uh, the intellect. It's the body versus the intellect. You've got Batman and the Joker. Uh, you know, one person is super like...
0: super competent, and the other one is insane. Yeah.
1: Well, one's very For, methodical, and one's like an agent of chaos. Yes, yeah, one
2: yeah. Yeah. One, one tries to maintain order. One tries to main, yeah. you know, tries to instill chaos. And I can't do one that's not comic books right now because I'm uncultured. <laughs> but you get my point. Right? They
1: add some beautiful layers to that later in the, ro- the like years later. Cristo, right. The Count of Monte Cristo
2: and the guy
0: that the Count of Monte Cristo wanted right. to fight. But also one like- guy is in
2: prison. One guy is not in prison. <laughs> so I don't know. I was kind of thinking like, could you like? I think it, I think it would be funny. Like in thinking about these rivalries, I think it would be funny, just to like imagine. Just meeting the Undertaker for the first time, and like you have to talk, like you, you know, you're like you find out what his deal is, and you're like, you know, asking about his arch nemesis, and like having the Undertaker like describe his arch nemesis, and he's just like, well, he's he's a sexy boy, (laughs) (laughs) he's very flirty, but he's also rude. (laughs) Like it's such a weird thing to have a guy who is the the. I don't know the the guy who who brings you across the river of sticks versus <laughs> like a stripper. Yeah.
0: Undertaker's arch enemy is basically an amalgamation of Michelangelo and Raphael from the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> but, I, but
1: it's th- important to note that their rivalry is not it's not similar though to say Bret and Sean, Austin Brett um Mankind Undertaker Austin Rock Mankind Triple H. Let's say some, those are the other great rivalries from around this period because those are pretty consistent. I feel like Michael and Undertaker do have year a year's long story, but there's much bigger gaps in between.
2: No, okay, so that makes sense. The what I know what you're saying. So like, it will get it will get more. It'll also disappear out. for
1: a while. And they want you yeah. to be like, wait, I thought this was like a years long, huge rivalry. Like it is, but it may, it's not going to be important until like 2001. So you have some time to.
0: And in talking about this as a year long thing, I, I feel like it's almost doing a disservice to just how great a singular moment this match was.
1: This match is, I've just got goosebumps.
0: Uh, Perfect.
1: From it, it starts great, and not a second is wasted. Yeah, I'd, not I'd, a second.
0: I'd like to kind of like go through piece by piece and kind of comment along the way. So, Bobby, can you kind oh of boy. lead us through this know, match me, a little bit? I may have to get a uh, more detailed recap. And before you say anything, I just want to say just how Undertaker makes everything epic. Whenever Undertaker is involved, it's ratcheted up to the nth degree.
1: Yeah, I think. He's, so, he's just like an intense character, uh, but also he's such an intense worker. Like, he has so much high impact offense uh, that, again, we are spoiled by because we've seen him walk the top rope a million times. We've seen it, but like, seeing someone who's like, what is he, 6'5? I mean, like, that almost, I, think. I feel like uh, seeing that is incredible. Watching him jump over through the ropes is incredible. All the stuff he does is incredible. Uh, but this match is perfect because the psychology of it, and all throughout, everyone the choices they're claiming he's six ten. I don't, but I a lot of times their stuff I feel like is inflated. <laughs> okay. uh, but anyway, th- I love the he psychology. Different
2: parts unknown. They know where he was born <laughs> or Death Valley.
1: Or Death Valley. <laughs> um, he Michael's escaping the ring, starting out trying to avoid the match, basically running around. Doing what he can because, again, the, the, what they're selling here is that there's truly no escape. And I think starting the match by having Shawn Michaels sort of like test the limits of that is mm. genius, especially my, yeah. where it's going to be going. And
0: so, and Michaels is just taking a beating at the beginning of this right here. We
1: um, see the flare flip over the turnbuckle that you that uh, that's a Rick, I think, famously, it was Rick Flair's move that Shawn sort of took on and does it became famous as a for. Yeah, when he gets whipped to the turnbuckle yeah. so hard that he flips over the top, and like other people do it now too. Uh, like, Triple dull- H
2: did it a bunch of times in in um, his matches yep. previously. Uh, before, as as while we're in this section, I just want to point out there was, we know how Shawn Michaels sells, right? And sometimes it's a little comical. Uh, there was one part where what 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 is the move when the Undertaker walks the top rope and like.
1: Then they were just calling it walk. He's just walking the top rope. We call it now old school because it's it, he started. He literally started doing it around this time within like the ninety six ninety seven time period that we were watching. Okay. Um. And now, so now it's it's called old school. Okay. But so it would just be a top rope clothesline. So when on. he
2: was doing that 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 whole that old school whatever top rope clothesline, uh, he comes down from the top rope and hits Michaels, and Michaels jumps up, and I was like, that is. Not how physics works. Nope. Uh, there were there were a couple times where I, like he would get you know and sure, he got kicked and he would like get up and then fall like he'd been. But hit that's again. like but but yeah.
0: But recently, um, AJ Styles hit Ricochet with a phenomenal forearm that caused Ricochet to flip over end on end and, and land on the other side. So I mean, physics ain't theatrical. Well, at it, I, it's matrix. It's, it's funny because I height. was
1: thinking about this earlier in this pay per view when they were showing Stone Cold giving the stunner to people because they were showing give the stunner to people. And people taking it and landing flat on their stomachs, just boom, just down oh, in yeah. one when, move. When
0: Vince takes the, stu- takes the stunner here, it he looks like and so he just king. died at the point of impact and is just a dead Same name.
1: thing with the king. They take the stunner and they fall face first, belly first, flat down on the mat. Now, I think it was The Rock who really the started Rock selling the stunner the shit as the like stunner. a bounce Up, fall, back, fly across the ring, stand up, spin around in a circle, one foot up, put birds and hammers around (laughs) your head. I mean, like all all the way. So to what you're saying, but it made me did think about the physics of it because like I'm like, wow, I'm so used to seeing the stunner, someone getting the stunner as bouncing off of his shoulder and flying every which direction that to see them fall forward was jarring Um, in a way that makes me think of like physics. It's not always about physics; it's about the theatricality of it all.
0: And speaking of the theatricality of it all, I need to, need to, need to thank JR again because once again, in selling this match, he says, he talks about Sid and he talks about Diesel and he brings up how Sean has been able to face with these big men before, but he needs to be able to dictate the pace and Undertaker is stopping him from dictating the pace. And then a little while after that, Sean gets some offense in and then immediately creates distance and that just was just such a fantastic storytelling move into showing oh wait this guy has been on top of the mountain for so long now he could beat Undertaker one on one if things go his way
3: yeah
1: I think the desperation that Sean is telling of the story he's telling of first being desperate to get out of the cage and realizing there's no escape for real and having to throw whatever he can at the Taker whether it's jumping through the ropes, whether that's using the stairs, like whatever it takes to finally get an upper hand mm. after being cut off at the pass, just trying to use his typical like, quickness and agility.
0: Because, yeah, because then we get into the moments of Sean just doing whatever he can. We That's where we get him with the chair. The We've got the ref pleading in here for these guys to to not to murder each other, Yeah, basically. please don't
1: kill each other. But there's the chair, which is a great callback to the spots that set up this whole thing from back from SummerSlam. Right.
0: We've got the steel stairs, which much, must weigh at least 150 pounds.
1: I've seen no 150
2: pounds get thrown like that, and it just keeps tumbling.
1: Those stairs weigh 10 pounds.
2: <laughs> oh, I, gosh,
1: have I, held a, I have held babies that have, that have <laughs> caused me more, like, sweat effort than to lift those stairs. Those hollow-ass like, stairs. They're like,
2: and Michaels is straining to, bring, to hold those stairs up. Sure he is.
1: We were you talking about the cameraman stuff?
2: Well, first,
0: Taker is wrapped in the ropes. Still manages to get in a boot in. And then I think it's after that that Sean flies at the Undertaker. To the yep. And to the then outside. lands on the cameraman. So,
1: Sean has a history with cameraman, And so, they're playing off of that. And the fact that this is a new kind of match. They're also still legitimately trying to figure out how to film. and that So, it does seem that the cameramen are kind of in awkward spots throughout the... So I am fully marked this whole time. Like yeah, I am I think
0: that the the cell might be even a little higher than it is at this point.
1: Yeah, I think if the cell looks taller than mm-hmm. I than uh, I believe we are used to, they're not working with any state cuz like this is so pre GoPro kind of like camera where now in matches like this there's hard cameras on the turnbuckles and stuff like that that they use to get some of these shots. They're really good lenses are small enough they're shooting in between the chain link. Um, or if you've looked at the cell recently, there's like bigger holes cut in the chain link where the camera goes through. Mm. Uh, so like they, they figured out at this point they didn't have nothing. For him. <laughs> and so all of this was just like tracking for me, like him bumping into the camera and him doing this makes a lot of sense. Where this is going though is to an absolutely brilliant spot. It's fucking masterful.
0: And audience, if you can hear that ambulance in the background, that is the ambulance that's going to the cell right now to get this <laughs> cameraman.
1: <laughs> It's picking us all up because we're dead from this. It's amazing. So he does this. It seems like it's the Shawn Michaels being a dick thing. You don't think anything of it. Um, and then Shawn Michaels gets frustrated and beats the shit out of a quote-unquote cameraman. Right, a guy who had a pinky ring. And I was like, nope, wrestler. <laughs> that was the tell. But he he uh, he gets he beats the shit out of him. So while this is happening, uh, Shawn Michaels is maintaining his lead. Sergeant Slaughter comes down. They open the locked cell because they have to let this guy out because he's hurt, this cameraman out, to treat him. Because he's just a civilian. He's got a family. He's not not here to be wrestling. He's not here to be beat upon. So they open up the cell. While this is happening, Shawn Michaels hits the sweet chin music, his finishing maneuver on The Undertaker – Undertaker sits right up no cell. Shawn Michaels is like, fuck this, I'm out of here. Shawn Michaels taking advantage of the open cell while they're attending to the cameraman he assaulted tries to escape the cell.
3: It's so good.
1: And with that again, goosebumps again. And with that, we are now Undertaker is in hot pursuit. We are now outside the hell in the cell.
2: Yeah, I was I you know what? I was once I realized why they did what they did, I was like, that's a good move.
3: Because
1: you're though. it's annoying he's being here like this is dumb, why is he doing this? That was unnecessary, blah blah blah, but it, it, it's 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 uh, it's dominoes, and they all start to fall, and it's amazing. Those
2: so now, are the, I mean, those are the kinds of things I can appreciate. And that's like when you see it all come together and like you're like, how do they get themselves because they know as soon as they know that they have a cell with that has a roof on it, they know they need to get on top of that roof because the whole point of the cage... I mean, look, we've, they've done cage matches before. They haven't done a cell match. So, like, the it has to be different from a cage match. How do you make it different? You get on top of that fucking... And Sean
0: game. is already bleeding at well, he's hold, right? hold
2: on.
1: So, before they do, before they get to the top of the cage, they're on the ramp. They're fighting. Shawn Michaels exit the cage, not bleeding. They're fighting outside. If you watch... I have like this so many times. I was like, trying to get the exact moment. You see... There's one minute Michael's on his back and it's right, it's he has literally moments. And it's so interesting because I feel like any other time there's been a big blade job and I was really like aware of it, they're always like laying down, they're always um like face down, like covering their themselves yeah. to, to to not do the illusion. Now Sean has those fucking gloves on, those like arm wristlet things. And it must be something he had in there because he's on the ground, he's face up, undertakes better again, and it's like two seconds before he hits it. And Sean just goes on his head, and you then he gets a slingshot and he is like gushing. a stucked pig. Like he gushing. is fucking gushing blood. Undertake I mean, it is so perfectly executed. And then he, Undertaker picks him up and lawn darts him into the side of the cell repeatedly. And the camera is in the sweetest sweet spot for a shot that will go down in story of like any WWE clip show, anything about Hell in a Cell, anything about the greatest matches, Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, most hardcore, you name it. It's that shot oh, of face Shawn's is pressed bloody against. face coming into the cell. I mean, like it, the fact that it was the first one and they got that, like that, it's unbelievable. Yeah. It's perfect. So that, that whole segment outside, before they even get on top of the cell, already has made this beyond legendary. So then they go up. Sean, looking for any kind of reprieve, any kind of escape from this uh, this unrelenting assault from the Undertaker, climbs to the top of the cell. Undertaker in hot pursuit. Now, they're on top of this cell, which I feel like is constructed so literally out of chain, pieces of chain link fence. like. Yeah. Not any thought I feel like about like ooh, how can we gimmick the cell so we can take bumps better or how can we rig it or what can we strengthen? Just like nope, we're just gonna put shit up pieces of like just actual chain link fence on top of this cell. And the fact they're doing like I was even watching it, knowing fully what happens this entire match and that everyone survived this match, watching it even today, was nervous. Because I was like, Jesus Christ, please don't backfire and drop him on top of that cell. Oh, God. I don't think it's built. Oh, God. Oh, God. right like was I can't, nerve well, Also, there's a lot of give, so you just yeah. waiting for it to just collapse. Because it, 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 it was not built to take that. Yeah. Like They did nothing, it seemed like, to reinforce it or to make it more plausible to take that. Whereas you see cells today, each panel, I feel like, has a little bit more reinforcement. It just feels that like there's a little bit more structure there to have like the resistance it needs whereas this just felt like wow these guys could literally die on top of this cuz this is essentially a trash heap they're wrestling on top of <laughs> like they put this together from a from from a scrap yard and like without any um like a professional insider expertise it's amazing they're back they're, they're doing spots on top of the cell There's back body... The back body drop, I think, is what really... was like, ah! Sean's trying to leave. Tries to go off the other side of the cell. Undertaker... Stomps on his fingers. So he falls off of the side of the cell and through the new announce tables uh, in a spot that would go on to be dwarfed, but at this point was, like, a mind-blowing spot. Right. And again... We've seen so many Shane McMahon matches at this point. This doesn't phase us as much.
0: It phases me when he's going through an actual table. These are these are gimmick. Tables.
1: These are the gimmick tables.
0: It looked like a. It looked that's like a gimmick it, table. It, it fell apart pretty. Does quickly. it have a crash pad underneath it?
1: It didn't have a crash pad, but it's definitely gimmick. Yeah, like it's definitely. Like, it's, it was built, it's to built to collapse.
0: To collapse. Yeah. Yes,
1: it was a house of cards. Literally, it was like made of playing cards. But
0: again. There's, it is nowhere near as, and I'm using air quotes here, safe as the spots that we see today. Of
1: course, hundred percent agree. But it wasn't just like it wasn't like when Ahmed Johnson powerbomb D'Lo through one of those pay per views ago. Mm-hmm. Like a real Presswood table. This is this was meant to fall apart. Um, but the spot was still amazing, and people lost their minds. I mean, like it was incredible.
3: Yeah, yeah
2: it was really good. They also had they had very unprotected looking chair shots. Those shots are scary. Oh yeah. Sean is leaking blood at this point. He is
1: laying in pools of his own blood in like he looks like a murder victim.
2: Yeah. It's it's pretty rough to see. But also so fucking cool. It's so fucking
1: cool. I know I know we shouldn't want this back, but I want it back so bad. I
0: don't Do we not want that like is blading that bad?
1: Well we're getting it AEW.
0: I'm just saying, so, I mean, when I think about the things that have led to early deaths of wrestlers... No, bleeding has nothing to do with that. No, no, nothing no, 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 to do no, no. with that. And I don't think that there's necessarily... Are there...
1: I think we're getting... I think bleeding will be back. I really do think we're going to get bleeding back because they're going for more...
0: Just give them a cookie after.
2: Yeah, they're, they're, they're moving... Right. Give them Lorna Dunes and, and Apple Juice. Everything I'm
1: reading is saying that we're going to a more teen-oriented product. They're actually going to start
2: doing platelets. So <laughs> platelets will just come straight out of their forehead.
1: So then we get back into the cell. Uh, the match continues. We get back into the ring. Taker is still in control. Sets Michaels up on the top. Does... Uh, choke slam off the top rope that looks both awesome and super shitty at the same time I couldn't figure out like how I feel about it mm. but I think I'm coming down on the side of awesome mm. um I wish it had a little I wish I wish Undertaker had a bit more um, power I wish he was a little bit more stable to really like feel that through it um, instead it felt like a little bit like like he's also sort of collapsing into it he
2: climbed a steel cage.
1: I'm not saying he shouldn't be tired.
2: <laughs> he cleared the cell, but it yeah.
1: took a little bit of a spot for me.
2: There's also a chair.
1: Uh, Undertaker grabs the chair, right? Undertaker grabs the chair. Now I'm trying to remember exactly this part of it. Undertaker grabs the chair, while Michaels with it. Yeah, pretty simple.
2: Uh, like on the head,
0: but real yeah, hard. Unprotected chair shot with the chair that did not look good.
1: No, he just hit him in the head with that chair. That was a put your head in the fucking toilet moment.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that was come to my office. He hit Sean. him, Sean. He hit him real hard. All right, but then,
1: about then, to do the finally, tombstone. About to do the tombstone. Lights go out. All of a sudden, this creepy-ass music plays. Is it a famous? It's famous music, but what's yeah. it called? No, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not famous
3: music.
1: It's not?
0: No, because no, Kane's music is... I know, but it was uh, the beginning few
1: chords famous. really. No, and just like scary sounding.
2: Yeah, I, I, it's scary I for you.
1: Some very sp- <laughs> yeah, <it's>, some very <laughs> just... spooky music plays. Yeah. Red lights go up. Paul Bearer comes down with a man in a red mask, eyes blacked out, uh, long black hair, a red and black, mostly red with black accents suit, gloves bigger than the Undertaker. One glove. One glove
0: missing a right arm I yeah just sort of like an
1: asymmetrical um red latex designed by Brian Pillman (laughs) R.I.P. (laughs) he approaches the cell rips the door off of the cell it's Kane the dancers are like this has got to be Kane this is Kane Kane it is Kane he is there he does his little he stares at Undertaker for such a long time Undertaker looks legitimately terrified Kane does his move where he makes the fire come out of the turnbuckles.
0: Which we've seen, they had the, uh, the, the pyro thing attached there like the entire night. Yes, I saw it. Yeah, I was like, oh, what's that box? Yeah. Um,
1: and then he does the tombstone on the Undertaker. And it is shocking. Uh, Kane leaves. Paul Bear leaves. Uh, oh, also, I think it was Kane that took out the official. No. it no. was the official up before that? The official he was, was had,
2: the official had kind of been like... Someone
1: hit the official because that's why he had that super slow count at the end.
2: It was a super slow count. I think it was because... Someone took out the official. I think either
1: Kane punched the official when he's coming in.
2: I don't think so. I don't
1: remember. Or Michael... Or Undertaker did before he hit him with the chair. Oh, God. At some point, the official goes down. Yes, I agree. Because what happens is now Undertaker is down. Michaels is laying in a pool of his own blood. Michaels comes over barely is able to drape his arm over the undertaker for the cover the referee crawls from the corner and does the slowest three count imaginable like barely able to eke out the strength of a three count yeah and that concludes the first hell in a cell match ever which establishes Shawn michaels as the number one contender for survivor series that was a condition of this match. That maybe wasn't as clear, no, for you at wasn't. the time. But it was mentioned. Mm-hmm. Through it. it was mentioned. They didn't make a huge deal of it, but it was mentioned. Uh, so now he's the number one contender. China, Rick Rude, Helmsley help him out. Yep. And that's it. Here we are.
0: So we'll face Bret Hart at Survivor Series. I'd like to. What could
2: go wrong? <laughs> oh, oh! So Shawn Michaels faces. Oh. Yeah, yeah. We'll get to that. Okay, um, so let's talk about Kane. Let's, baby. <laughs> I uh, there's a lot going on in my head because I was very surprised. It was a very, it was a good moment for me because I was just like, also it's funny because every time you watch a, a Shawn Michaels match. Uh, if you just keep in mind the one sign I saw and like it might have been a raw or might have been a pay-per-view like a like a month or two ago um where it was basically like Shawn Michaels doesn't job. <laughs> it was a, like Shawn Michaels won't job for anyone or basically something along those lines. I was like, "Yep. Shawn Michaels will not job for anybody." If you just go into every match knowing that like Michaels won't lose really, uh it it helps to like at least try to foresee what's going to happen because I was like, he is there is no credible way where he beats the Undertaker in this match right now the way the match has gone right he's been he's he's try he's put up a fight but the Undertaker has run the whole match. Uh, to have Kane come in to decide the match was huge for me because I wasn't expecting it. I I, I kind of had forgotten the Kane thing because they'd laid off it for a while in a good move. Um, improv
0: 101
2: yeah you right. play the
0: game then you rest the game right
2: it was like a real duck duck goose um they so they did all of that and i was super surprised and it made me realize why when like when we first started talking about the backstory you were really excited bobby about it you were like this is a great story it's really good it's going places in a, in a couple months it's gonna be amazing and i was like yeah, okay, I guess. It's really kind of a dumb story. But this is a very good payoff for a very for a dumb beginning to a story. Yep. It's an amazing payoff. I
0: mean, that's WWF right there. Yep. Amazing payoffs to really dumb beginnings. Because they kind of, like... Crawl, the... crawl, 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 <laughs> crawl. The way they do stories is they basically, like, stick their toes in. And then they do something, make a weird move. But then they figure out
2: an awesome way to make it work at the end. They need they need to sleep on it. They just <laughs> yeah. like they always need to sleep on it um, because like yeah like all of that worked really, really really well. I liked Kane's look. I thought Kane had a, a his mask guy is a lot better than like Vader's mask guy and mankind's mask guy. It was a little bit like wait do you think that mask is better than Vader and mankind? Mankind no. Mankind's got a great mask. Vader's mask. It's hard to is even call weird. Vader's mask a mask. <laughs> it's, it's, like a
1: a mask yes. <laughs> it's like a jock strap for your face. It's like a face
3: keeny. Right.
0: Uh, I don't know. I would I would argue not to, to belabor the point, but I would argue that Vader's mask, whatever you want to call it, is more iconic than Kane's mask.
3: Well
1: of Whoa, it's like no, I don't agree um, with that at all. But I
0: do I think they're. I think all masks are beautiful.
1: Um <laughs> masks for masks. But I like Kane's mask because it reminds me of Doctor Doom like the yes. way the holes uh-huh. are cut and the fact that keep in mind he's supposed to be this like horrible burn victim
2: well that's it reminded me of um, especially with the real hair it reminded me of um... do we think that this is Kane's, just just like Di- Kane's so real hair at this is yes because he was just fake Diesel so
1: Kane is being portrayed by who is fake Diesel I don't previously. know I don't
0: know if, if fake Diesel's hair was real hair either that was yes, real that hair was real. and Isaac Yankum yeah
1: this is key real hair but uh, that's my this is my, my literally the the my biggest thing I've never believed in wrestling and what ruins it for me forever is that Kane in years in the future which we've seen this so isn't a spoiler is bald and will yeah. wrestle bald as Kane right but sometimes when he's wearing the he will be corporate Kane out of Kane drag yeah um, and will be a bald guy but then he'll be dressed in Kane drag and he'll have a ma- he'll have a mask with a wig yeah. that is he will wet as if it is real hair. And also, what really gets me is that he will react when someone pulls the hair, which he <laughs> <definitely is. laughs> and I was like, that is where I draw the KFab line. Like, I can't follow that. Is it
0: KFab or KFab? It's K-fabe. I, Dude, I feel it's KFab, and you keep saying KFab. You've look, done
2: it for like all the episodes, and I was like, this will just be our thing. We all look. It's Mario. It's
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh,
2: <laughs> Listen, I. I know that you have your pronunciation of things. It, it's it, ancillary, Kfab. fab um, Do I say ancillary? Definitely. You always say ancillary. Wow. What else, what else do I do that you, I you've clocked? I, I'm, I'm, I make like, a note of everything. You always everything. say truly.
1: You are like, wow, what a text do I well, have. I don't know if you know
2: this, but you suck a lot of dicks. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We'll go to our notes. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Bobby says ancillary sucks a lot of dicks.
1: Um, this is my like my next profile where it says like three on the next bus like three things about me. It's like, hey, my name is Bobby. I say I pronounce it ancillary.
2: Uh, say Kfab. I say
1: Kfab, and I suck a lot of dicks.
2: Um, I so okay. I think I like this mask because uh, it reminded his look reminded me of. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He looked like Leatherface.
3: Yeah, and I thought it was a, a good
2: Leatherface type mask. That's what that like a a Leatherface wrestler would consistently scare the shit out of me.
0: I don't disagree that this this is a good mask. I'm just saying I think Vader and man. Am I am I saying this? Do I believe this? Yeah, I think Vader and mankind are the two most iconic masks in wrestling history?
3: Yeah.
2: What about Rey Mysterio? Rey Mysterio
0: I would say uh-huh.
2: and I mean even good
1: even someone who doesn't watch WCW I would say like Psychosis had a really one Ultimo Dragon has
2: a very iconic mask.
0: Yeah, but I would not put the, either of them in the category. So are, are, um, you, also, are, you, because, are you counting are you
2: counting luchadors with cuz like luchador masks are a little bit the different. The Patriot, okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Making my point for me.
1: Uh, but Kane is great. I, I also think it, – yes, it's like um, fashion cheesy to be like missing one arm or whatever. But when the idea is that he burned X percent of his body yep. to only have X percent of his body showing – I don't know if they did the math exactly, but regardless, the, the, the visual impact is that everything that's covered – because the rest is covered fully because he mm-hmm. wears gloves right. and full sleeves – Full pant that we're supposed to assume that, and a mask that covers his whole face that everything we're not seeing we're supposed to assume is Burn. charred terribly and only what we see is what remains and of course a monster like that someone who only had that piece would want to show the part of them that is still human it's 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 such, it's almost
2: too smart costuming Um, and I'm glad that he was able to wear a costume until he was comfortable enough to get the skin graft so that he would look completely unburned <laughs>
3: Yeah. Uh, in in the future. So uh, that's great. Well, he also... Uh, yeah, just forget about all I that want error. to give you...
1: I want to talk about some of these that are spoilers about Kane's like, development as a character, but I won't. But yeah,
2: let's just, let's just wait for it. Yeah. We have a lot of episodes. There,
1: you have no idea. Yeah.
2: I'd also like to just let you guys know that um, if I ever become incapacitated, I would like to think that I can count on you to make sure that I'm able to walk out of the ring and also that one of you will help me do the suck it gesture (laughs) the way that Hunter Hearst Helmsley does for for Heartbreak Kid as they leave. Because clearly Heartbreak Kid didn't have the arms for it. I want this to be captured on the record. When you die,
1: Aaron and I will weaken at Bernie's you and hold you up, and we will make you make the suck it.
2: I'm very into it.
1: Hand gesture. At your services. We'll call
2: this we'll call this our living my living will. <laughs> Just kidding. You'll outlive us all. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably true. For years,
0: WWE hosted a yearly award show called the Slammy Awards, and we end each episode of Hell in a Cell Phone with our own version of the Slammies in a segment we call for your reconsideration. I'm gonna go with the next time try Sharpie Award to Crush, whose head tech... His, his head tattoo, and I'm using air quotes as, as always, because as we all know, it's just drawn on with a magic marker. For some reason, up until this point, has always managed to stay on. Now, it must be because this match between the Bariquas and DOA was announced like 30 seconds before the pay-per-view, and he didn't have his normal marker. But this was the first time that I've ever seen it disappear throughout the course of a match. He was only on his first coat.
2: <laughs> it's almost like she should just get a head tattoo. Yeah, dude, just tattoo your head. This'll last. Your career will, will will be able to amortize it. Also,
0: that's a great it's it's not at all embarrassing at all to have that
2: on there. Yeah, you can hang out with hawk and animal when they're trying to explain to people why they have weird haircuts. Well um, I was initially at one point I was gonna give the twenty three and me award for all the spit. Because <laughs> uh, there was a, there was spit all through this pay per view, but actually, I want to uh, this this pay per view meant a lot to me. I I want to give it the what more can you want uh, award because if you're talking about, I mean, look, we're we're getting into it. The the screw job is next month. Mm-hmm. Um, if if you want to talk about like. I'm sure there will I'm sure there will be pay-per-views that go into all of this more and more and more. But if you want to talk about a seminal pay-per-view in the sense that it has literally everything that we came into this talking about. It has uh an untimely death. It's got the first hell in a cell, which as you know, Aaron pointed out is the name of the podcast. It's got the crimson mask. It's got jingoism in the flag match it's got bad bumps it's got it's got a lot of terrible it's got matches terrib- terrible terrible <laughs> matches terrible jokes at the ex- you know at the expense of of uh differently abled people uh it's got screwy finishes and it's got Kane and it, you know it's got the mayor of Knox County there's a lot there's a lot in this pay-per-view that I think encapsulates what we're all talking about now i don't know if you could watch this pay-per-view if you showed a a person just this pay-per-view oh it's also got a, a fucking vader moonsault which thank god right um if you showed this match to a person in a vacuum would they appreciate all of that i don't think so but i think if you're looking for you know we're almost we're getting close to about a year of this right yeah we're getting close to the start of the attitude era (laughs) right right but like uh if you want to look at something that kind of very easily summarizes a lot of the things that we've been talking about thematically and and touches on literally all of the different parts the factions all of the stuff this pay-per-view had all of it and it was a fucking mess just like <laughs> just like the attitude error I think is like it was so messy there was so much... like they were thrown off they didn't know how to refer to a person's death like all of this stuff I think it, it's a it's it's a very interesting from a um, from an academic standpoint it's a very great slammy there eric
1: yeah i kind of want to make sure you edit yours last no i want to hear about whose dick bobby wants to no, suck right mine now no am so dumb all right <laughs> uh <laughs> Mine is the uh, USPS shipping label, but make it fashion slammy to Tarantula, who had taken what looks like electrical tape and wrote on his own tights, WWF.
2: (laughs) Edit nothing, Eric. Keep it there. (laughs) That also gets the you should have used Sharpie slammy.
0: Love us, disagree, want to throw us off a fucking cage? Let us know. Did I just say fucking? Hey, a fucking, what a fucking, a fucking want, want to throw us off a fucking cage? <laughs> I think that I think this is Irish now. that's yeah, a fucking it's a fucking cage. Let us know. Email us at cellphone at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at hellnesselfod or each of us individually: Eric at Prime Silver, Bobby at Bobby Hank, and Aaron at Slow Pass. Our theme song is "There Are Traitors in Our Midst" by Disco Vietnam, and our artist by Alexis Yavni. Find links to both in our episode notes. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll be back again for the 1997 Survivor series.
3: Reading is hard, you guys. Oh my god, there's a lot. You got more to come.